Driving that coach. 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 And welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. And uh, the grumbling you hear in the background is a, uh asthmatic dog, so please try to ignore uh, that. He's a French bulldog. His name is Mochi, and he's fantastic, but he is a little uh, excited because he, he really loves it when you come to visit, so he'll slow down. He'll go to sleep here in just a second. And he's like hovering around my testicle area, just so you folks know. So Thanks for the visual. Well, it is what it is, man. <laughs> so, let's go ahead and get into this damn thing. <laughs> All right, so let's get started with our usual show here. Uh, you know, first off, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy, where I can connect every, any major American film star to the great Eddie Murphy within seven films. <laughs> so, what you got for me today? It's going to be quick and easy with one specific exception on this first name. You are not allowed to use Dan Aykroyd for obvious reasons. Okay. Bill Murray. Without Dan Aykroyd? Mm-hmm. Ah, got it. You're going to go through Chevy Chase, aren't you? Nope. Actually, no. Okay. Um, Dan, uh, Bill Murray was in... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going this route. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Murray was in uh, Little Shop of Horrors with Steve Martin. Steve Martin was in both things with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you forgot he was in Little Shop of Horrors. I did, I did forget that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a smaller part. I always think of it more as a uh, a Steve Martin film, you know. Yeah, but the, yeah, he, he does have that spot. Hey, there you go. Um. Okay. Next on the list, uh, John Hoyt. John Hoyt. Oh wow. I think I might have pulled this one off. I mean, goddamn John Hoyt movies. Are they? I don't know. We got dead air. No, no. You seen you seen uh, Flesh Gordon? <laughs> I have, but uh, I, I realized he was in there. Hold up. Okay, so folks, I'm actually looking this up real quick. I'm looking up a John Hoyt movie just to see if I can. Get I think some... I think I finally got you. No, I might have. If I find it, like, I'm, I'm I'm in there. I recognize the face. I'm trying to think of some works he's done. John Hoyt, though. Okay. I don't know. I want to go a little deeper dive. Throw you off. Flesh Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that block, uh, pops up. That's funny. Ah, got it. Cool. Okay. Uh, John Hoyt was in... Ah, yeah, I'll go this route. John Hoyt was in Blackboard Jungle... Was Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier was in Let's Do It Again with John Amos. John Amos was in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. All right, all right, we got there. There you go. Go a little deeper dive. Go for it. Jimmy Stewart. Oof. Classic film star. Yes, he is. Are you going to the phone again? I am. Twice in I one am. setting? I am. Vertigo? You can't get there from Vertigo? No. No, Jimmy Stewart. What about... No, 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 no. Fifle Goes West. You can't get there from Fifle Goes West? Fifle. Hey, he was a voiceover. So it's one of my favorites. 
Fightful. I, I just haven't heard that name in a Dude, minute. Fightful now. goes west. Nobody, brings, nobody ever brings that up. Fightful, like the the American store, I think it was what Fightful and American Tale was was all right, but Fightful Goes West was where it was at. That was my jam, dude. I loved that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So. It had the little dog playing Wyatt Earp, <laughs> <laughs> but like an old angry Wyatt Earp who didn't want to be the sheriff anymore. Fightful Goes West. Yeah. Wow, that's a, ah. I'll go this round. Mm. Okay. Jimmy Stewart was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington with Claude Rains. Claude Rains was in The Wolfman with Ralph Bellamy. Ralph Bellamy was in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. You still had to look it up. <laughs> yes, I did. I, I admit that. I had to look it up. I, I'll tell people all the time, if I have to look it up, I will, say on, I will say on air I had to look it up. I did have to look it up for Jimmy Stewart and John Hoyt. So do you think you could have got there if you looked up Mandy Moore? Because that wasn't always... <laughs> It wasn't always the Mandy uh, Moore created this contingent because in fact I never wanted the Mandy Moore incident to happen again. That embarrassed the fuck out of me. I hated that. Okay. And what was great is I think that's what like episode three. And yeah, exactly. And then it, what pisses me off is like freaking like it's Mandy fucking Moore. Hey, dude, she's she's a big name. You would think she only had like two damn movies. You think I get it? But no. Well, Stump I mean, me. can you really be blamed for never having watched a Mandy Moore movie? Yeah, movie? yeah, still. I mean, it, it's one of those ones I always put it in the category of it's a credit film. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to watch certain films, I want credit. So back when I was dating, I would mm-hmm. only watch certain films when I was dating. Now it's transformed only to the point where it's like, I'm only going to watch certain films with my wife uh, because if I'm going to sit through it, Sure. I want the credit for having watched it. Like, yeah. for example, The Notebook. I'm not going to go sit down and rent that shit on my own. But I have and will watch it with my wife, even though it's depressing as hell. You know, the funny thing about that is, the first time I ever watched that movie was in a room full of Marines. And we all were, like, crying. Dude, it's such a sad movie. It like, is. It's it, literally it, yeah. like it just, why don't you... It's a suicide movie is kind of the way I look at it. It's like, there's just... It's so sad, and there's like zero hope at the end of it. True. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess you can argue about certain beautiful aspects of it, but without time. ruining it for anyone who's like me and waited forever to see it, it's. Dude, if you're going to watch it, just watch it with a, with a significant other, a girlfriend, or something. Get some kind of credit out of it. Fuck it. Fuck it. They died, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Uh, either way, this is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a heartbreak. Uh, okay. All right. So that was Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy. Hey, this is Gary Busey talking to Gary Busey. What time is it, Gary? It's time for WWBS. What would Busey say? What are we talking about today, Gary? I've always been curious. I, I know he grew up in a slightly different era before salt weapons ban, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. What is Gary's thoughts and feelings on, on firearms, on guns? What are my feelings on guns? I'll tell you something right now. I love guns. All kinds of guns. Big guns. Little guns. Small guns. Fat guns. I love guns. I like shooting stuff. I like shooting at this damn dog for ground right now. I really want to do that. As far as firearms bans, you know what? I'm going to carry my weapon anyway. And if they catch me with it, and there's some sort of altercation, I'll go down like that. Like a goddamn G. You know what a G is, don't you? No, I don't care. A gangster. (laughs) I'll go down like a goddamn gangster. Guns are cool. Guns are fun. It's like that song, I Want Sex. 
Just replace sex with guns. Guns are natural. Guns are good. Not everybody shoots them, but everybody should. Guns are natural. Guns are fun. Guns are best when shooting people one-on-one. Yeah. Guns are dope. Tiger blood. Yeah, that was great, Gary. How you doing today, Gary? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm Gary Busey. I'm doing great. It was less cerebral than I expected, so. Yeah. Gary kept it simple today. Yeah, he was, I, I feel like he's, it's he's a simple su- It's a simple subject, though. I can go in depth in all laws and shit, but at the same time, Gary is a man of simple means. He likes guns. Well, I just was hoping that he'd have a story, like personal experience with them. He gave you the uh, George Michael, I have sex with guns. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That, that is a little bit personal. Guns are natural. Guns are good. By the way, we'll get into this a little more, I think, when we get to the, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, the dropping that news segment. Mm-hmm. But there's a great series out right now um, <laughs> about the comedy store on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, this Dude, Mike, Mike Binder is freaking awesome, awesome, awesome filmmaker, storyteller. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd, I'd heard some stuff, and I don't know if it's out in an episode yet or not, but there's some really interesting, crazy shit that comes around with the comedy store and guns and crossbows and all kinds of weird, crazy shit. So, yeah. anyway, we'll get to that a little more here in a second. All right, let's go ahead and get into dropping that news. Oh, so we're going to skip Roger this week? Roger's out? Oh, my God, that's right. You tripping? That's what we. I mean, look. If no, Roger, no, no, if no, Roger, no, 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 no. You know what? I've heard the UK is on lockdown right now. No, fuck all so that. So no, Roger no. is going to be on lockdown in his crypt. No, that's fu- fine. no, fuck that. Roger's here. He's just a little, <laughs> little tipsy, but he'll be all right. He's always tipsy. Yeah, man. Shit, let's find. He's basically shit faced. Let's find something for Roger. Ooh, oh yeah, this is a favorite of mine. Yeah, I yeah. I don't want it to be a favorite of yours. I want it to be a favorite of Roger's. Yeah, Roger will like it too. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what Roger don't like. I'm just saying. I want to make sure we get uh, get Roger on board with it. Here we go. Yeah. This- Good evening, I'm Roger Moore. You may remember me from my time as Bond, James Bond. And I once exchanged bodily fluids with Louis Jordan. This is not so much a commentary as it were, it's more of a one-sided conversation as I cannot talk to you and you cannot talk to me. And now for another edition of Roger Reed's Rap. What is our selection for this evening? Good afternoon. For today's selection, excuse me. Today's selection will be a wonderful hit from the group Crucial Conflict entitled Hey. <clears throat> First stanza. <clears throat> Smoking on hay in the middle of the barn. Smoking on hay in the middle of the barn. Sitting on a quarter pea of hay. Things is feeling good today. I'm toe up from the flow up. Sipping on some Crown Royal. It's funny enough, so am I. <laughs> Tripping in a circle of wood where everybody smoked their own bud. Good old hay. How's it feel today? Fine. Blown damn day. <laughs> silly, <laughs> silly like I'm hype on candy. 
Got a big, thick chick named Sandy in the farm in the middle of barn where everybody's feeling crazy. Uh, what to be? Uh, phone! 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 I'm sorry. I was distracted. Now, what was I? Here we go. I went to visit Granny's house. Now I see where nobody leaves. We constantly, constantly, constantly smoking bees. Too blitz to even shake it off, but still I got my head up. Cold hard from going to the back of the barn and get my big black Peter sucked. Wow. <clears throat> Pass the hay, you silly slut. Blaze it up so I can hit that bud. Got me zoned, so I'll be on. Cause I love to smoke upon. Hey. In the middle of the barn. Smoking on. Hey. In the middle of the barn. Thank you. And this has been another episode of Roger Reed's Rap. I am drunk. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize that, that Roger had such an interesting pronunciation of hey. <laughs> you know you triggered him with that phone. I know. See what happens? See, well, what, ha- see what happens when you don't, when you don't so, silence your phone? Well, but see, here's what's going on. You this triggered is, that man. This is, this is the wonderful thing, though. Yeah. I have fortunately, finally, after, and long-time listeners will know, mm-hmm. a variety of computer problems, finally... Got a new computer. Mm-hmm. Something this new computer's doing that I was unaware of is for some reason it connects directly to my phone. So while my phone's silenced, yeah. if I don't answer my phone, it connects through and rings in my computer in my face to tell me my phone's ringing, which is what we just experienced right now. Oh, so is that what that was? That's what that was. I had no idea that was going to happen. It was just kind of like a weird little... You triggered Roger, dude. I, well... You need to work on that shit. Look, for a dead guy, he's pretty tightly wound. You triggered him. <laughs> I think Roger just be happy to be here. You know what? I'm upset that you triggered Roger, so let's go ahead and get into fucking dropping that news, man. Because I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much more about triggering Roger. All right. I didn't realize 007 was triggered by fucking phones. Yeah, he's triggered. It's gonna say it's such a pussy, but whatever. I mean, I didn't know that he. I you, remember, had... you remember he would start his commentary saying, "This is me pretending to be James Bond." That's <laughs> true. He, he was more of a thespian than an international man of mystery. Exactly, a much more thespian. <laughs> hey, that's gonna be a drop at some. In point. the middle of a barn, smoking on. Hey, <laughs> I think it's just gonna be hey. You got, you gotta let that shit be pregnant, and then hit the, hit it with the hey. So, so what's gonna happen is I'm going to lift that out of this recording, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be my new personalized ringer for you, whatever you call. Smoking on. Hey. No, it's just gonna be the hey part. <laughs> just, hey. 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 Dropping that news. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into dropping that news. Uh, I had a little bit, finally. Yeah, a little bit, actually. Uh, This first one is actually kind of sad. 
Um, Jeff Bridges, Academy yep. Award winning actor Jeff Bridges, uh, recently announced that he has been diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, like I said, uh, I think his, his actual quote is this. Uh, As the dude would say, new shit has come to light. I've been diagnosed with lymphoma. Although it is a serious disease, I feel fortunate that I have a good team of doctors and the prognosis is good. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I think uh, it's stage one, too, yeah, so that's yeah. that's good. Yeah, I'm starting treatment, and I will keep you posted on my recovery. I am profoundly grateful for all the love and support from my friends and family. Thank you for your prayers and well wishes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a rough one to uh, to deal with some of that stuff, but if they got it early, depending on where it is and stuff, he, he's he's got a pretty... I mean, look, generally speaking, with any terminal or even chronic disease, getting it now versus five or ten years ago, mm-hmm. your prognosis for survivability is even higher. And then if it's early stage, it's even higher than that. So, you know, best wishes to him and his family. I, I'm just glad that they didn't come in at stage four or something because that stuff yes. can go really quick. So. Yes, yeah. All right. So uh, it was recently announced online that they would be doing a new version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, with producer Fede Alvarez, who also did that movie Don't Breathe. Do we need another one? No, we don't. I mean, I, I, I felt like I felt like the last one with with Arlie in it was was enough. I really do. Yeah. Um, because in fact, I think the original is probably honestly, I think it's still even better. Because mm-hmm. they get too much into that. He's such a sweet boy, crap. In the last one, you know. True. But we'll see. Good. Uh, also, this is a little thing that's gone viral. I didn't find out about it till like. Two days ago, Ja Rule. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he is apparently <laughs> out here in California doing commercials for a local Greek spot. Uh, I forgot the name of the place, but yeah, they, he's selling euros and pizza. And the internet has taken a fire to this because the fact it's like, damn, you got to this point now? Well, I mean, the last I'd heard, he was in um, Australia with Ashanti doing a tour down there in the Pacific Rim, basically. Uh, and that was about five or six years ago. There's a, there's a kid I know. Yeah, um, no, so I've seen Ashanti on Instagram. She's doing just fine. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I was going to say, there's, there's a kid I know who's a, uh, a local celebrity mm-hmm. singer down there. His name's, uh, I think his stage name is Maserati. Mm-hmm. I think what he goes by. Mm-hmm. I, don't ask me how to spell it. I don't remember how. It's not the, like the car. Um, but anyway, he, I actually know him since he was like, like a little dude. Um, yeah. Him and his whole family. So anyway. I'd heard they were doing that. I was actually just surprised to find out that Ja Rule was back in town because I thought he was just mm-hmm. touring around there still trying to get paid off of yeah. 2001. What I think about you. Yeah. <laughs> what I think about you, Rose. Love feta cheese. Give me some pepperoni, please. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do without my pizza? It, it, was, <laughs> it was hilarious. So... If you're young enough, you might have missed this, but there was a point in time mm-hmm. where Ja Rule, he was like the shit. He was yeah, doing yeah, everything. He, yeah, it was a for a minute, and, yeah. And then there's there started to be a little bit of static with, um, was it was it, uh, was it Method Man? I'm trying to remember for sure. There's like two or three two or three hip-hop stars that all started got crossways mm-hmm. with Ja Rule, and Ja Rule was, was trying to punk him like they're going to you know, quote unquote, reignite the West Coast, East Coast yeah, rapper right. thing. Yeah. And it got super serious really quick. And mm-hmm. Ja Rule just punked out and ran yeah. as fast as he could because he realized, okay, I, I'm just I'm just a, a musical talent. I am not at all ready to go to war with anybody. What would I do without my fan? Uh... 
Yeah, this commercial is so fucking funny because it's him mispronouncing Greek the names of Greek food. Like, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but it's good. I love gyros. <laughs> it loves me some gyros. <laughs> Put a cucumber sauce on my gyro. Good God Almighty! But yeah, uh, if you had a chance to look it up, Ja Rule Pizza commercial, it's a it's a sight. It'll make you smile. It'll make you smile. It'll make you feel sad for Ja Rule, but also make you smile. Uh, also, uh, also since we talked about reboots just recently about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, another thing getting another reboot, Power Rangers. You know they had one like two years ago, and it I was know they did. I'm aware, I'm aware a they did. Nose dive. Yeah, go go Power Rangers. I know that. I'm that. just saying, I don't think you can reboot something that quickly. It's just a continuation of the unsuccessful. Reboot. Well, well, they're giving a fuck about it. They're gonna give it a shot. So Hasbro has been developing a film feature film reboot of Power Rangers. And not only that. They're talking about doing like new series on multiple platforms, and there's gonna be there's gonna be ties between the TV shows and the movies, a la the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, whoa, but whoa, the, whoa. Thing, the thing, wait, about, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Was Power Rangers ever part of the MCU? No, but they're trying to do their own version of the MCU. But did you just say they're gonna tie it back into the MCU? No, they're doing ties like the MCU. Oh, does. like the MCU. Like, okay. Like the I was MCU. just checking because I was gonna say okay, no, that's like no. sacrilege. No, 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 no. Well, actually, if you think about it, if you watch the old Power Rangers TV shows, they were connected. Uh, no. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. The Power Rangers movies and some of the TV shows. Yeah, the events of the no, TV be- shows. Because the events of the movies went into the TV show. What What you're suggesting right now totally devalues the entire MCU. Yeah. To even suggest that there's a connection there. What you had no, was no, you had a no, bunch of guys. You no. had a bunch of guys in Burbank who desperately wanted to be making film or TV, and they came up with some crazy half-baked children's show idea. And then they paid guys who knew a little bit of martial arts to dress up in big rubber costumes and slap the shit out of each other, and then get all the kids, everyone riled up on Saturday mornings. I was one of those kids too, and then. Allowed for certain people to suggest that maybe isn't it kind of like Marvel but on a budget? Okay, number one, don't ever fucking interrupt me like that again. <laughs> that was rude as shit. Okay, number two, that is not what I'm saying at all. Like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, what are you saying? I'm not saying that they were trying to do anything that Marvel is doing. Okay. Well, well, yes, they are, but not the initial, yeah, but not the, like. but not the initial okay. TV show. Okay, not the initial TV show. What I was saying was <laughs> they were they had their own connective universe. Before the MCU even existed. Okay. 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 And also, Fair like enough. I said, some 100%. of the, the circumstances of some of the movies actually bled over into the TV shows. That's what okay. I was saying back in the day. Okay. Not now. Because it went up with the way yeah. it sounded. Yeah. And that's why I'm yeah. saying the way, because you're right. The way mm-hmm. that that went where they blended the shows mm-hmm. into the movies and everything, like that mm-hmm. was 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like you were saying no. that there was a connection between no, 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 Power no. Rangers and the MCU. And I was like, oh, holy shit, dude. Like mm-hmm. that literally devalues the MCU. And also, 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 Power Rangers was not a half baked Saturday morning TV show, okay? Was it fully baked? Is fully baked is a fully baked theft of Japanese television. <laughs> like I, I'm said, glad like, you finally met me halfway. No, 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 exactly. Fucking yeah, it's a ha- is a theft of Japanese television. They 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 did a theft of the Super Sentai series in Japan. Yeah, and you know, pretty much the whole the American inserts were like yeah Americans who kind of knew a little kind of knew martial arts in really bad costumes because in fact if you so, watch if you watch like the because they would insert the Japanese version into the American shit. And you can tell which is which because the fucking Japanese. No, because the Japanese guys were number one better martial artists and number right. two slimmer. 
what I'm saying. When they yeah. cut between, because they, cause yeah. like you said, they'd use stock footage. Yeah, exactly. And then when they cut to the American version, the American version looks crude. They look kind of fat. Uh, the, I, yeah, the martial arts, the martial arts shit is like nowhere near as fast. So in 2009, 2010, one of my roommates for that period of time. Apparently, I, I found out used to be on Power Rangers. I think you told me about this. And yeah. he always he played like a half dozen of the different bad guys. It mm-hmm. was because it didn't matter, right? Because he's always in a different rubber costume. Yeah, yeah, just a costume. D- doing that kind of stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, the the TV show, like you said, total rip off that Japanese TV show. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think you ended up they, they didn't even pay attention to story. It was like we need an excuse. Now we're gonna go and pretend to fight. Okay, pretend the fight's over. Now we're going to see you next week. Like, that was literally all it was. Like, there was no storyline to it. And Marvel, mm-hmm. again, you being more of the Marvel master, like, I'm not even going to try to argue anything inside the MCU because I don't know it. That is wise. I, I, I know it's wise. I'm still, no, like, still alive from Spock. That is, no, I, I wouldn't argue with you. That is wise. <laughs> but the main, the main point I've got on it is... Mm-hmm. You, that's that's the core, the heart and soul of why Marvel, and to some extent, the most successful properties in DC exist and and continue the way they do is because they are story centric. Okay, that's my, that was my whole point because like mm-hmm. Power Rangers doesn't give a shit about the story. This is this last feature film they did is the first time they've ever tried to care about mm-hmm. the story or at least pretend to care about the story mm-hmm. with that reboot. Well, they kind of do care because they keep bringing Tommy back. <laughs> Like if you watch the old TV show, Tommy would show up like every two series, and yeah. he'd always be like, they would always be like, this mysterious new ranger that's gonna save the day for all of us. He's more powerful than all the other rangers. Who is it? It's Tommy. Wasn't the Gold Ranger or something? No, he was a Green Ranger. He was the White Ranger. The White Ranger debut was fucking dope, by the way. Mm. And he was also, uh, I think he was another version of the Red Ranger down the line. Who was uh, the Gold Ranger? Gold Ranger. Oh, no. oh well, who cares? Those Power Rangers. I don't know. Yeah, well, whatever. Right, so I can th- barely remember it. Yeah, but yeah, there's, there's that. All right, so uh, since we're talking about cinematic universes again, well, oh, ripoffs of the MCU, Fast and the Furious. Oh God. Uh, they announced that basically they're bringing the main Fast and the Furious franchise to a close with a two-film finale for its tenth and eleventh installments. Uh, and basically the whole get down is they're trying to do an Avengers Infinity War Avengers Endgame type of finale so do you remember how this thing started yes I do (laughs) where you basically had a bunch of like between 16 and 24 year old kids street racing in LA and a couple of them were boosting trucks on the side to make some money and Vin Diesel (laughs) you beat me (laughs) it don't matter if it's an intro or my winning's winning Man, that looks like a 10-minute car. Jesus <laughs> it's not a 10 But yes, that's car. how it started. It was just street racing. It, it was legit. It, yeah. it, it, there was no suspension of disbelief. In fact, mm-hmm. from what I recall, um, the majority of the prop cars you see in the background in that film, mm-hmm. they were real folks. They literally yeah. went out to where, where people were doing street racing. They said, hey, we're doing a movie. Mm-hmm. If you want your car to be in our movie... Come out this day, sign the release, blah, blah, blah. And that's what happened. They Because they didn't have any money when they started making that stuff. No, they didn't. What's insane is the over-the-top cartoonish bullshit mm. that it's kind of skewed off into so, in the yeah. last few. I mean, yeah. they tell me they got two more movies. I'm like, you probably could have ended it four movies ago. Yeah, exactly. But like, like, Tokyo Drifts, the last one was even remotely realistic. Yeah, that was, and that was like street racing in Japan. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was kind of realistic. Yeah, exactly. But then from four on, it turns into goddamn G.I. Joe slash <laughs> superhero type shit because they, they just keep they keep coming in for missions yeah. and shit. You know yeah. what it was? It was the bleed over of Triple X. Yeah. That's what it was, right? It's mm-hmm. like they, they're like, you know what? I kind of like what they did with Triple X. Mm-hmm. Let's do that to our franchise. Yeah, and next thing you know, they, you know, like it's always the same shit. They'd be at the house having a barbecue, <laughs> talking about family. And they say, you know, some agent comes up, hey, we need y'all. Uh, some uh, terrorist in uh, Brakalakistan has a has a nuclear weapon, and only you street racers <laughs> can save the world. All right, you ready to get our souped up vehicles? And they say, you know, these driving cars on ridiculous, uh, in ridiculous ways or on ridiculous like surfaces and shit like that. Yeah, driving we... one driving one car from one skyscraper to another, driving on top of a goddamn submarine. Uh, that was actually in yeah. a movie. Well, it's because yeah. it's it's because obviously yeah. in all of the special operations command, yeah, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, Marine Raiders, yeah, the Rock, CIA, the Rock has NSA, super strength in the movie. Yeah. ATF. I mean, you can go down the whole long alphabet soup. The yeah. only people in the whole world capable of fighting this supervillain are a bunch of felon street racers from, from Southern LA. California. From LA. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. Who've spent no, most no, of their growing yeah. up years racing cars and boosting semis full no, of electronics. Tyrese is from Barstow. He, he always likes to remind you. <laughs> That's right. He's from he's, Barstow. He's from an even worse Southern California yeah, town. Yeah, yeah, he's from. A, he's from Barstow. I've been to Barstow. Ain't shit in Barstow. There is a killer Del Taco in Barstow. And they got a dope Dairy Queen. I've never been to that Dairy Queen, but I can vouch. Literally the best Del Taco in the world is in Barstow. It's right off I-15. I've only been to Dairy. I've only been to the Dairy Queen. That was, Dude, pretty, that was pretty high. Their chicken tacos are fantastic, big and plump. I could do a whole commercial mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, that's the only reason to stop in Barstow. That and gas, because you're yeah. gonna yeah. be screwed trying to get to Baker. Oh my God, yeah. So yeah, uh, Barstow. <laughs> Barstow and the Furious. Barstow and the Furious. <laughs> okay. Dude, we'll have to do a watch along and trash. A oh my god! Oh my god! We gotta god. do it in the late. late we, won't, ones. we won't. We won't be able to get through this shit because like, 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 are you fucking? Like, this, Dude, that's gonna be a blast. That's gonna be the name of the podcast. Are you fucking serious? Or Barstow and the Furious? Barstow and the Furious. Yeah. Okay. So that's <laughs> there you go. Food for thought. Okay. All right. So uh, uh, again, Hulu has released another. Well, this is actually the first full trailer for the reboot of Animaniacs, which comes mm, less than I think. Yeah, next month. Yeah, just around the, the corner, finally. Actually, exactly, I think exactly one month, because it's like the 20th or something today, right? Yeah, it's the 22nd. 22nd? All right, so it comes out on the 20th, so less than a month. Uh, but yeah, it shows like pretty much the kind of the humor that they're going for. You know, it's going to be a little more adult. Like, just well, like, of course, because just, the, 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 people car, that, the original cartoon was kind of adult. Well, and, and not just that, but like, we're the core audience. Like, the yeah. kids, like the little kids now, they don't get this necessarily as much, but they know we're going to want to come back for it. So, yeah. you got to up it a little bit. Yeah, Pinky in the Brain. And you see them, like, with, and you see them uh, dealing with social media and, you know, all the different celebrities is out here now. So, yeah, they're getting a full reboot of Animaniacs, man. And I'm, I'm really, really excited about it, man. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I think one part in the commercial, they're like, Uh, so that's great alright another quick thing I think this will be the last thing Uh, with two biopic uh, selections here Um, one Jill Scott is going to be playing the late Mahalia Jackson in a biopic I think it's going to be produced by Queen Latifah I'm very very cautiously optimistic about that Mm mm-hmm Mahalia Jackson is one of my favorite all-time vocalists. So, oh my and my, my mom, too. My mom 
over the top about her. So yeah. we'll see where that one goes. And I'm actually really happy about this next week you're about to talk about. Yeah, her. Wendell Pierce from The Wire uh, is going to be playing B.B. King in an upcoming mm-hmm. battle pick as well. great casting. Yes, it is. Like, Although, especially you know, can he play the guitar? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I really hope he can. I've heard him sing. I know he can yeah, sing. I know he, he can, can sing. definitely sing. He can sing. I don't know about the guitar part. And we know he can act in The Wire. Damn right. Dude, act, he was man. great in that. Yeah, man. And freak, I'm just, I'm really happy to see this too. Cause fact, I actually go to Lucille's all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, if you're in Southern yeah. California, that's the place to go for barbecue. For real. And, and some good music. Damn good music. Uh, so the title of the biopic is, Bill enough, The Thrill is On. And it's apparently going to be centered around B.B. King's friendship with music, uh, musician uh, Michael Zanatis. <laughs> and it's going to be written by Zanatis himself and uh, Melora Donahue. Uh, so, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm really happy to see this, man. Like, Of course, we know B.B. King passed away in 2015 at yeah. the age of 89. Did you ever get to see him play? Yes, I did, actually. Dude, I did, too. That was, I'm so happy I did. Me, too. Uh, he, uh, He's we a had killer. A, we had a thing called Jubilee City Fest in my city. They haven't done it in years. But it was kind of like a festival, like kind of like a, you know, get down, whatever. They would have music acts come in. And one of them, uh, one of the years I remember, was B.B. King. He came in there, got sat, sat down that guitar, just started ding, 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 killing that shit. Oh, man. yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was dope, man. Like get to see, They actually say I got to see him live. And actually, James Brown. That, my first concert, technically, is James Brown. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, Jubilee City Fest, man. Like, dude, it, we, yeah. well, When I saw him, he was playing uh, Deer Valley in Park City, and he had uh, Al Green with him. Yeah. Dude, Al Green. Like, you could tell by the end, you know, because I think I saw him probably been like 13, 12, somewhere around in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just speaking of somebody who's got diabetic issues and everything, you could Ooh. tell, like, he was just way wiped. Yeah. I mean, not just because he's having to, like, you know, poke on his fingers and stuff all the time, but just it's it's hard, right? Yeah. But Al Green, man, dude, that that guy put on a hell of a show. Yeah, uh, the, the Reverend Al Green. Oh, the Reverend came because he got his ass burnt with them grits. Word <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the wise, gentlemen: um, Don't cheat on your wife, or if you do cheat on your wife, make sure she don't cook a thing piling hot piling pot of grits <laughs> so she can pull on your ass <laughs> and it was actually uh, I was talking about sketch comedy shows the other day Cedric the Entertainer Presents had a great skit where they had a, a musician like Al Green and the whole get down is like everybody just kept pouring grits on him like he, he every time he pissed off like a band member or like a girlfriend or like uh, people like that they would just pour grits on him and then his like, his death ended where he did like a a rendition of a uh, the Star Spangled Banner at a uh, basketball game, and it was having to be hot grit night. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> so, throwing so hot grits. So throw, everybody throwing hot grits at him. He died from grit burns. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but them grits changed that house life. They did. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last thing I'm going to do before we get into the movie, uh, I just want to promote real, th- real quick. Uh, I was actually a guest speaker. Yesterday on a show on a po- another podcast, uh, Behind the Real podcast with uh, Aaron Devon King and Summerlin Haynes, uh, and then basically the whole get down of the podcast is they talk to different artists and actors and uh, authors and people of that nature, uh, talk about their careers, you know, like any inspirational words they want to get to people out there uh, trying to get into acting or who are in acting and you know might want to give up or anything like that. So yeah, I got a chance to talk about my career growing up in, in Montgomery. Talked about Belsaverse, this podcast. Nice. Yeah, plug I plugged the shit out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point. Yeah, but we I had a lot of fun doing it and I highly recommend it. They are uh also found on different podcasts. Uh, 
with different formats of uh, podcasting. We're at Anchor, Spotify, etc., etc. So give them a shout out and look out for look out for my episode, which is entitled. And I love this title, the Belserverse of Jadero Belser. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, actually, I do have one more uh, one more piece of news before we move on. Go for it, uh, Quibi. Some of you may or may not have been uh, following yeah, the Quibi. Uh, uh, unfortunately, depending on when you listen to this, uh, yesterday, which would have been the 21st, as uh, the day was wrapping up, um, uh, was it Katzenberg and Meg Whitman uh, announced that the company is closing. Um, they had a whole lot of misfortune, obviously, in launching a mobile-only app service, subscription-based service, mm. uh, right in the middle of COVID. They launched in April. Um, while they still have money in the bank, they said they just can't find a path to victory. Yeah. Um, obviously, nobody knows how long the COVID thing is going to last. Um, I think they're probably also running into issues because, uh, well, I mean, Netflix, Hulu, everybody has a streaming app that's already on your phone. And so short content that you can only watch on your phone um, yeah. kind of makes for slightly smaller segments. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's. It's insane the the number of people they had involved, big, huge name talent, people who don't follow the business. You might not get Katzenberg, that might not ring any bells. Yeah. He's the guy at Disney. Yeah, that's a who big gave name. you Aladdin. That's a big name, right gave, there, I Jeffrey mean, Katzenberg. He, he all of all your big Disney films. Yeah, from, Jeff- when, from the early nineties. Yeah. That that was that was Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah, uh, DreamWorks. Yeah, that was a- Jeffrey Katzenberg. If you look at the DreamWorks logo, it says SKG. Yeah. He's the K. Yeah, exactly. Spielberg's the S. So yeah, yeah. he 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 was and G is and Ge- David is. Geffen, right? Yep, and Geffen. Yeah, yeah. See, he is as far as Hollywood's concerned, top tier executive producer kind of a guy. So if he wasn't able to do it, adding in Meg Women and all of her technical technical background, and everything, yeah, nobody was gonna be able to get it done. And, and I mean, again, you look at the talent people they had signed on already, yeah. I mean, it's sad. It's yeah. It really is. It, it really is too bad. And uh, you know, all the best for all the people out there. What I wouldn't be surprised to see, though, uh, because they they did have some cutting edge technol uh, technological innovations with how they shot stuff. Yeah. So, like for example, I, I know from some guys I talked to uh, who who'd worked um, as cinematographers and stuff like that. They actually were getting really creative with how they were shooting things. So you know, when you when you're watching your phone, if you mm-hmm. turn the phone um, vertical or horizontal it'll usually letterbox, yeah. so you end up with the black space above and below. Yeah. One of the innovations that Quibi had going on was it could sense when you're doing that, and rather than letterboxing, it just opened up the aperture. So you would go from something that's you know 16.9 to Ooh. basically vertically integrated the other way, so you'd be able to see more above and below. Nice. And this guy, if I remember right, it was like an original uh, murder mystery kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So changing the orientation of your phone as you watch through it, you'd get more or less information regarding what was happening on screen to help you figure out who or, who was or wasn't the killer. So there's definitely technological things that they have pushed through that change the game for storytelling, especially in that format, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be surprised if they're at least able to maybe break even or at least reduce some of the losses mm-hmm. when they turn around and either license it or sell it off. So not to mention, I mean, they shot thousands of hours worth of footage which that's a content library they can do something with it they can recut it they can change it i mean that's well, the, that's, that's, that's the benefit yeah. to owning it true yeah so it'll be interesting it's uh, bummer for the people who lost their jobs or about to yeah. lose them yeah rest in peace quibi 2020 to 2020 yeah. not the first time yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah all right folks let's get to the meat and potatoes of this Bum, 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 bum,
Potato. All right, folks. So let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of this get down. What we're here for today. And this is this is another one of those movies that we've been talking about doing since we started this podcast. And we're mm-hmm. happy to do it because, in fact, it's Halloween time and it's prescient and freaking, you know what I'm saying, it's actually up, it's of the moment. So even now, even though it's it released in 1984, it's just yeah. as strong today as it is has ever been. Uh, well, we'll be able to talk about how uh, the son of one of the filmmakers is yeah. about to reboot the hell out of this. Yes, they are. Which is going to be great. So, Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. One more time. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> so we're saying it together. That's what I was doing it for. All right, so like I said, like we usually I know, do. but we, I want to make you awkward. I know. I know you asshole. <laughs> so we're going to be watching this together. Uh, we're going to give you some fat toys like we always do. And of course, we're going to talk about our favorite scenes in the movie as we're watching oh, it. Oh, absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and get this thing started in three, two, one, play. And there it is, the beautiful original Columbia logo. I love the little music that comes with it. Oh, yeah. I think this is what? A year, two years before Sony Bottom? I think so. But yeah, this is, yeah, now we're getting our first little taste of the Elmer Bernstein score. Which I gotta turn this down a little bit so we don't get in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. We got a shot of the New York Public, Public Library. Library. Nice big crane shot right into a goddamn lion. Yep. Which is kind of foreshadowing if you think about it, because eventually yeah. we'll see the statues of with the, all the gargoyles yeah, breaking. Exactly, and uh, yeah, we got a little uh, library lady here. She, that's actually the mom from uh, Ace Ventura. It's Ray Finkel's mom. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Dan Marino. Yeah, Dan Marino she should die. No, no, Dan Marino <laughs> should die at Donneria and burn in hell. Oh, that's right. Would you like a cookie, son? <laughs> the Laces out. Yeah, the little, the little football. Laces out. <laughs> Here we are down in the bowels of the library. Yeah, man. And look, uh, I, so love the, I love I the, love the stuff down here because you see it's all practical effects here. Well, that's what's so great about yeah. this film in general. They didn't have a lot of VFX yeah. going. I mean, because yeah. you got to remember first effect of the movie. Yeah, floating the floating books. books. But you got to remember, as far as like the effects go, mm-hmm. and, and like visual effects, CGI, that sort of thing, it was still in its infancy. Like the most advanced stuff you'd seen mm-hmm. was Star Wars. Right, so we're we're what three four years right after uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So blasters and lightsabers were still a big deal. Actually, funny enough, uh, Patricia Heaton from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm -hmm. Apparently, she was an extra in the scene, in the library scene. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is great right here with the uh, okay, so the the library cards. Yeah, and basically what it did was they just uh, propped open the cards themselves, and there's a little tube blasting air that makes all the cards go up. Yeah. Very creepy though. Yeah, but it's great. So great. Well, it's like it's like when you watch the behind the scenes of how they they set up everything in the haunted mansion at, yeah. at Disneyland. It's fantastic practical effects. Yeah, and she's just like terrified, and they got a first scare of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as usual, <laughs> they did something strange. They did a killer job not losing it Who by you showing call? you what the scariness Ghost was, Buster, right? Exactly. Just a bright light and a blast of a fan. And basically the lady screaming for a goddamn life. Yeah. But now we are at Columbia University, the fictional Weaver Hall of Psychology. I love this thing here, like Bankman burning hell. <laughs> and this loop, it looks like it's written in blood. Yeah. 
Please, think, please I, have the room made up if possible. Apparently, they actually had a. It was like a sexual obscenity yeah. written on it uh, in the original thing, but they wanted it more family friendly, so yeah. they just turned. They chose, just chose Bankman Burning Hill. I love this thing here, where, where he's he's totally going after the co-ed. Yeah, with uh, this ridiculous little setup to see if anyone's yeah. clairvoyant. Exactly, and this chick's name for real is Jennifer. I forgot the exact name, but the actress's name is Jennifer, and they just used it. She looks really young. Yeah, and then actually, I've seen a picture of her recently. She still looks the same. So she looks great. Yeah, she she aged pretty well. She aged very well. She's done yeah. a she did a couple other movies, but yeah, this is like the main thing. Like when she goes to like comic cons and stuff like that, just because the fact she did this scene. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I love this scene. <laughs> Bill Murray just shocking the shit out of this dude. Well, I love how here in a second the guy. <laughs> The guy actually gets it right, and he still shocks him because the whole thing's about him trying to hook up the chick. Yeah, <laughs> it's not your lucky day. Yeah, like yeah, he really wants to get at him, man. Oh yeah. Well, that's the whole thing about Bankman. Bankman's yeah. always about hooking up with chicks. Yes, he is. Like he's he's the lazy guy who yeah. doesn't want to do any of the work. Who somehow at some point or another comes through when it really matters. Yeah, he's, he's like he that. becomes the he becomes the leader of the group. What do you call? It? He's like the diamond in the rough, right? Yeah, he's the de facto leader, man. Like if anybody says like who's the leader of the Ghostbusters, they usually say Bankman. Yeah. yeah, even though he knows the least of any of the science. Yeah, and they make it clear that yeah, he basically he got through me- he got through med school because of fucking Egon and fucking yeah. <laughs> Egon and uh, Ray, because fucking they're the you more te- right. they're the more technical guys, but at the same time like you know they're not as socially adept as Bankman is. <laughs> How slow he is and going yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, baby? Pay <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. We're, We're paying, paying you. you. <laughs> I knew you were gonna give me electric shocks. What are you trying to prove here? I'm studying the uh, uh, negative reinforcement on ESP ability. Yeah. <laughs> I took the fifties and pissing me off. I think it's only like getting fifty bucks to receive electric shocks, but that's such a college thing. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. God. Well, that's that's part of what happened to uh, uh, what's his name, Ted Kaczynski. He, he was in he was in college LSD experiments at Harvard. Oh, and they yeah. cooked his brain. That's right. Yeah, and that, that's been verified. That's not even a conspiracy I know, theory. Yeah. Like they've legit yeah. verified. Like yeah, yeah he, he went in. Yeah. He was a weirdo, and then yeah. they gave him LSD, and he. Lost and now him. with the introduction of Mr. Dan Aykroyd here, we're gonna go ahead and give you a little bit of the backstory of Ghostbusters because of fact this whole thing sprung from the mind of Mr. Dan Aykroyd. Oh yeah, yeah. Who is himself big into. Aliens and the paranormal. Like, he's a total geek on that. I know you're going to get into yeah, it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, pretty much the whole get down is he inherited this fascination in the paranormal from his father, who actually wrote a book, The History of Ghosts, uh, by Peter Aykroyd. Uh, mm. And his mom, who also claimed to see ghosts, his grandfather, who experimented on using radios to contact the dead, and a great grandfather, who was a renowned spiritualist. Now, in 1981, he got the initial idea for Ghostbusters while he was reading a theory uh, article on quantum physics. And parapsychology in the Journal of the American Society of Cyclical Research, <laughs> which gave him the idea of catching ghosts. And also, he drew upon the idea of modernizing an old comedic concept, in, um, especially like in the 30s and 40s, the concept of ghost catching, ghost busting, that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. like, like you would see like groups like Abbott and Costello in movies like Hold That Ghost. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Bob Hope in The Ghost Breakers. And the Bowery Boys and the Ghost Chasers. So they, yeah, they did all the kind. Of, and then one I love is there was a Mickey Mouse cartoon. It was Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, and they were ghost catchers. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, dude, I forgot all about that. Yeah, so they're basically mixing. That's a deep cut. I know it's mixing quantum physics and ghost catching. Oh, and, here we go. Yeah, now we get our introduction of Mr. Harold Ramis. Oh my God, such a genius. It's too bad he passed away. Yes, it is. Dude, it's hilarious. Great. Oh, such a great man. Like I love the, the book. <laughs> scared him with the book. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then he's talking about the whole drilling the hole in the head. Apparently, that's oh, a real yeah. thing. I forget. Uh, it's supposed to be like meant to like relieve pressure or something. Brain well, pressure. yeah. So like they what they'll do is if somebody gets a, a really bad concussion, you've got brain swelling. Yeah. They'll do that to relieve pressure to minimize brain damage. Yeah. Don't try it at home, kids. Please do not try it. You at need home. to. You need to definitely be in an emergency room and have it handled by a trained physician. Yeah. So don't, please don't try. It. Yeah. Please don't try to do that. <laughs> right, they so, did that at the end of what was that? Uh, the light. Oh no, it was pie, right? Yes. Yeah. They did do that. Jeez, that one's weird. <laughs> I, forget about that. I don't know. That movie's insane. <laughs> oh man. All right. So now uh, he's in the uh, library talking to the lady. Talking about uh, are you schizophrenic, mental incompetent? I don't think so. No, my <laughs> uncle. My uncle thought he was Saint Jerome. <laughs> Apparently, Saint Jerome is the patron saint of librarians. I didn't know they had a patron saint. <laughs> yeah, but now he's asking more and more questions. And um, Oh, wait, we should probably explain to the kids listening. So, before the internet, the library was We did this last time, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I hope, I'm hoping they know what libraries are by this point. Yeah, that's where the homeless hang out. That's where the homeless hang out. <laughs> now, anyway. And actually, the whole thing, the line we just missed here, back off, man, I'm a scientist. Apparently, the original line was, fuck off, man, I'm a scientist. Yeah, but they wanted to go PG. Of course they did, so... You make more money. Yeah. And also the stuff in here uh, with the uh, symmetrical book stacking. This is all ad-libs from uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. I'm <laughs> just going along with it. He's <laughs> like that. Symmetrical book stacking. Just like whatever. Yeah. You're right. No human being would stack, stack books, books like this. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid, man. Yeah. But yeah, they're so great together. And you tell, like, just, you can tell that's that Second City, you know, SNL experience that they all have together. Dude, it's a great comedy troupe. Yes, They exactly. play off each other so well. So well. And all of them pretty much are like the disciples of, of John Belushi. All three of them. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because... Uh, Massive impact on everybody. Yeah, because Ramis actually did Second City with Belushi. And then, of course, Dan Aykroyd. Of course, they became Blood Brothers on SNL. And Bill Murray himself, when he first got into New York, the person he lived with was John Belushi. So, yeah, they all decided... And then, uh, in recent interviews, Bill Murray said the greatest theater actor he's ever seen is John Belushi. Dude, he's... I mean, look, that's... I'm, I'm really interested. Have you watched that doc yet? Yeah. Uh, what, what did you think? Uh, oh, oh, the the Belushi documentary. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for. It. I haven't actually watched it. I, I'm I'm still waiting to see it. I, I really want to watch it because I mean, again, yeah. in terms of comedic actor, arguably yeah. one of if not the best in the last century. Exactly. Oh yeah, and this this thing here where like it, with, <laughs> with the goo with the gross like uh, ectoplasm. Yeah. What, what did you know? What that was? It was like it was like corn syrup and shit, right? Oh, I don't know. I was asking. No, uh, I think I think I have the exact thing in here, but like I think it was I think off the top of my head it's like some kind of corn syrup and turn into like this viscous shit or whatever. I love this here. Has <laughs> <laughs> that ever happened to you before? Hmm? First time, huh? Yeah. And as they're still going through the library, uh, so Dan Aykroyd had started writing the script and intended it for him to star him himself, uh, Belushi, John Belushi, and Eddie Murphy. Those are the original intended stars of Ghostbusters. Sorry. I'm just freaking out for a second right now because the young... I haven't seen this for a little bit, yeah. but young Dan Aykroyd yeah. looks so much like one of my cousins. It's kind of freaking me out. Does it? Uh, just a bit. 
Oh, oh here we go. This is a great practical yeah, effect. Yeah. This and is actually, in camera. And actually, the effects themselves were done by uh, Richard Edlin. Uh, Cause this, this is that that standard projection ghost thing they normally do, right? Exactly. So it's it's, pr- it's a combination yeah. of projectors and mirrors. And also, just to kind of give you uh, a little background on Mr. Edlund himself, worked for Industrial Light and Magic for many many years, won Oscars for his work on like you know Star Wars and big uh, big uh, influence on the whole uh, Indiana Jones yeah. uh, uh, arc opening scene, as you can see in this movie. Because in fact, a lot of those effects that you see in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark you can very clearly see here in Ghostbusters yeah so and that was only a few years before like I think three years before but this is so cool the librarian ghost <laughs> I love him like hi I'm Peter so where you from originally <laughs> <laughs> and she's still a librarian she just shushes him she just shushed him. shut up hey, it didn't really work out <laughs> yeah yeah and funny enough, uh, when uh, Belushi dies, since we talked about Belushi, uh, Dan Aykroyd is actually writing a line for him for Ghostbusters when he found out a uh, Belushi died. It's too bad. Yeah, so this is so crazy. And you know, wait, wait, get her! <laughs> now, that ghost, a yeah. uh, version of that ghost, will end up in another movie a year later, Fright Night. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Richard, yeah, Ed- yeah. Richard Edlund also did the uh, uh, effects for the movie Fright Night, and that same like model for that ghost. It's like the model for the vampire in that movie. <laughs> and they just they're like, just running like yeah, like like, like, like the old like the old um, um, ghost catching movies. That's yep. what they would do. They would see the ghost oh, <laughs> exactly. with, with the wild taste and shit. So <laughs> I love just making fun of them. Get her. That was the whole plan. <laughs> that was the whole plan. Get I don't her. know. We're just giving it a shot. Why not? Exactly. Uh, so um, when uh, Belushi died, uh, Dan Aykroyd turned to his another castmate, Bill Murray here. Uh, and he agreed to join the project, even though he had, uh, he, ne- he never really exactly signed a contract to do this movie. Yeah, but that's one of those, yeah. those famous Bill Murray things. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy, he's a guy in Hollywood who, I don't even know how many years at this point, but doesn't, hasn't had an agent or a manager. No. He's just like, screw it. They're just taking money out of my pocket. Yeah. He literally has, if you have to know the right people to get the right number at some point, but he literally has a 1-800 number. Yeah. And I think, what was it? Uh, in, a PO, in a PO box. Didn't, didn't Sofia Coppola leave him like a thousand messages to get him into Lost in Translation yep. before he finally called her back? Exactly. And now this this is the this is kind of right here the origin of the Ghostbusters that they were three parapsychologists at Columbia University, but they got kicked out because uh, apparently Vankman uh, kind of uh, disenfranchised the staff there just a bit, <laughs> just a bit. And there's actually a deleted scene that shows that they're like, we thought you wowed him at the meeting. Uh, that might be a little bit of a misinterpretation. <laughs> might be yeah. a bit of an overstatement. Yeah, I love the the, the dude who's like, uh, we in this universe believe science is for the benefit of mankind, whereas you see science as some sort of dodge or hustle. Your theories are the worst kind of popular tripe. Your methods are sloppy, and your conclusions are highly questionable. You are a poor scientist, Doctor Bankman. He's like, yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah, we have no room for you in this department or in this university. <laughs> yeah, like even Dan Aykroyd here. This is a major. I, I've actually read the original script for Ghostbusters, and a lot of this, yeah, there's a lot of this is they talk about a lot of the movie being like uh, improv, particularly on Bill Murray's part. But a lot of this stuff is actually in the script. Yeah, the majority of it is in the script. Well, like, this I mean, like this whole thing right here, we talks about like you know working in the private sector. That's in the script. Well, the way the way a lot of these guys, especially these big Second City improv actors, look at it, mm-hmm. I think this is the right way to look at it. Mm-hmm. The script is a roadmap. Yes. Now, 
if you've ever seen like the old kind of road maps, or even if you look it up now online or something, you can find a pretty direct route where you go down like say I-15 from here to Vegas. Mm -hmm. But you can also find a whole bunch of little side roads to still get you there. Mm -hmm. That's the improv. They're picking little side roads mm -hmm. to get off. And they, as long as they still hit, here's the four or five main key things. Yeah. And that's how you get all this wonderful, like awesome, interesting, new, yeah. fresh stuff. Even and, this right here with the, them drinking. Yeah, this is actually apricot apricot flavored brandy by Hiram Walker that they're drinking. I love this here. We make some mortgage off his house. My parents, yeah. <laughs> my parents leave in the house. I was born there. Like it sounds like he got shafted in terms of like <laughs> the interest rate for the last. Well, the interest rate alone comes to ninety five thousand dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, there it is, right there. Yeah. ninety five thousand dollars. We're on the threshold of establishing the <laughs> new indispensable defense science of the next decade: professional, paranormal investigations and eliminations. The franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond a while. Streams. Oh, now we got our first shot of the firehouse, the famous firehouse, <laughs> Ghostbusters firehouse. It's actually two firehouses. Now the uh, exterior is actually in New York, but the interior here, where they're in right now, is actually L.A. Uh, okay. Yeah, and apparently the uh, L.A. firehouse has actually been used in a bunch of other movies. I can't think of um, the movies off the top of my head, but yeah, this is a use. This is a used set many, many times. I love how like. Uh, Harold or uh, Egon is like, uh, yeah, I think this building should be condemned. <laughs> like, like all the wiring is substandard. It's completely inadequate for our power needs, and the neighborhood is like a demilitarized zone. And then, of course, here comes Dan Aykroyd to screw everything hey, up. Hey, that postal work? <laughs> it's all excited like a little kid. We should stay here tonight. We should sleep here. You know, try it out. <laughs> and like, and like two parents. Like, exactly right. Yeah, Vagman's yeah, uh, a dad, and uh, Egon's the word mom. Uh, yeah, I think we'll take it. Well, I mean, they kind of have mm -hmm. to at that point because it's literally all Dan Aykroyd's money. Yeah. And now uh, the actual now we got our first shot of the apartment building. That shot right here, that's a mat of the gargoyle looking yeah. down. Wait, that's a mat? Yeah. That's a great mat. That's a they great did a good job. Yes, it did. See, normally when you look at mats, they look a lot flatter, but they did a really good job with that. That was a mat. Yeah, that shot looking down with the gargoyle. That yeah, they, they did a great job with that mat to, to make sure it had a nice three-dimensional section to it. It's, it's really the lighting. Exactly. Uh, now, the actual uh, the actual address itself is 55 Central Park West uh, in New York City. Uh, in real life, the building is only 20 stories high, but for the film, they added an additional eight stories. And also the top of the uh, building is modeled after the Continental Life Building in St. Louis, Missouri. Rick Moranis. Yes, the Rick Moranis, buddy. And I just want to say to whoever was the beat up Rick oh, Moranis yeah. in New you York. Asshole. You asshole. Exactly. Piece of shit. You go, who the fuck you gonna hit Rick? I understand hitting a random white dude. I get that. But you gonna hit Rick Moranis? Random white dude. Yeah, <laughs> random white dude. I don't, uh, but, uh, but you, mm. you hit Rick Moranis, though. That's an ass whooping. You you asking for an ass whooping like even for the streets the streets love Rick Moranis. That's what I was gonna say, man. Yeah, yeah the streets love Rick Moranis, dog. Fucking like, hey, you picked the wrong white dude to hit. I, I feel mean, like that. It, look, if somebody said, hey, they hit David Duke, I'd be like, yeah, I get that. Whatever. Like, who yeah. wouldn't hit David Duke? You could say fucking they hit Rush Limbaugh. Oh, fucking. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Rick Moranis. No, no, yeah, you fucked up, man. You, you fucked up. You hit Rick Moranis, bro. Fuck's wrong with you? You know how I many black? You know how I many black people love fucking Little Shop of Horrors? <laughs> Love Ghostbusters. I was gonna say. Good. Love, love. Hell, even Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Hell, love Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Like it's a fuck, crossover. You fucked up, bro. You fucked up. Whoever you are. I, I love his yeah. costume, by the yeah. way. With and I'm loving this too. They, they actually aired this commercial that you see on the TV here. That was an actual commercial that they aired on TV. 
<laughs> yeah, they actually, when the movie came out, they actually aired in like certain markets. Like, they I should think, have. That's great. They aired in L.A. I know for sure. And actually, during the uh, release of the movie, they actually the eight hundred number that you see on there that was mm-hmm. actually a real number. So you call and tell you what time to go see the yeah, movie. Yeah, basically what it is, they would call it and it would say uh, you actually get a recorded message from Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd saying something to the effect of, "Hi, we're out catching ghosts right now." Apparently, they got a thousand calls per hour, twenty four hours a day for six weeks straight. Dude, we should set up something like that for docs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, come and awesome. call, call the docs, man. <laughs> oh, man. This is so fucking dope, man. Oh, yeah. It'd be awesome to air those. Oh, here we go. This is uh, going eggs. again with some awesome practical oh, yeah. effects. Yeah, the eggs. Oh, my God. And actually, look. Stay Puft Marshmallows. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't miss, don't catch that. And there's the mascot right there. Yep. And actually, there's another advertisement for Stay Puft a little bit later. But we're going to this. The eggs. Apparently they just—I think they did something where they like drilled holes in the eggs and some shit like that, and then they just like same thing with just air and they popped them out. Well, you notice she's not touching the cap, the, the countertop. Yeah, because it's like that's gotta be—it's gotta be heated. Yes, it is. Right. That's, to, that's, to, that's why you see, to, that's why see, see it cooking. Oh, you see the smoke and all that. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. I'm, I'm, that was one I never did figure out sure how they did the setup. But I'd, I'd be very interested. This is to so see. cool here. The scene where we see uh, Sigourney Weaver open up the. Oh man! Look at that. That's CG in your refrigerator. Yeah. That's all in your refrigerator. Zoom, dude. That right there. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember that kind of weird little ride thing that you said the Michael Jackson one at uh, uh, at Disneyland? Captain EO. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's straight Captain EO shit right oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. And now we got our first <laughs> shot of the famous Cadillac here, the Cadillac that will eventually become the Ectomobile. Mm-hmm. Now it says here that he paid forty eight hundred for it. Now in today's in two, at least in 2019 that would be eleven thousand dollars. I I can see it. I mean and it's very actu- unique. And the actual car itself is a 1959 Cadillac chassis Miller Meteor uh, ambulance slash hearse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only used two for the movie. One the pre transformation one and two the post transformation one. Well yeah I mean I'm guessing they probably didn't have quite the budget to go beyond that. I also have an introduction of Annie Potts here as uh, Janine. Mm-hmm. Apparently she's you know she's a country girl, but she did she had a friend in New York, and she basically just copied her friend for the audition, and that's how she got it. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ghostbusters, what do you want? That shit. <laughs> <laughs> so initially, when Dan Aykroyd had pitched the concept to his uh, agent Bernie Brillstein, he talked Wait, about hold on, Harold Ramis coming out from under the oh, desk. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love her response. You're very handy, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole little thing here where he's like, like, she's interested, but he obviously ain't. Yeah, she's definitely, she's driving hard for him. Yeah. And I'll still try to wreck it for her. <laughs> Do you have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's his way of trying to just shut it down. Exactly. Oh, here she goes. Dana, the very first customer. I think I like yeah. her best when she's messing with aliens. Yeah. Uh, but that's just like, she's the very first customer of the Ghostbusters. Yep. Dana Barrett. And Dan, you know, working on the vehicle. Okay, shout out to Luke, because that was definitely my cousin right there. Yeah, Luke's just like a cousin? <laughs> yeah, especially with especially with him sitting there under the hood doing work, because he's a mechanic. Yeah. I, love, I like Bengals' reaction when he sees her. Oh, shit, she bad. And apparently, apparently uh, this this little thing right here where he jumped over that thing, apparently mm-hmm. there's a couple times we almost fucking like ate, ate shit. It. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like kind of waiting for it, but he never did. Mm-hmm. God damn it. You, you got close there. <laughs> well, a Bill a Bill Murray recovery after eating shit would have been hilarious. Yeah. 
Okay, we're cool. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, look, it's uh, it's MTV. <laughs> no, it's like it's like Predator Vision. I know. I love this stuff so here. Bad. Like, generally, you don't see that kind of behavior out of a major appliance. Yeah. <laughs> Just the Bill Murray lines, man. Like, and yeah. and delivered with such in such a dry way, you know. <laughs> So crazy, man. I love I don't watching. I think she's movie. crazy, or yeah. she's lying. Yeah. She's, she's telling the truth, or at least she thinks she is. <laughs> yeah, all right. yeah. Now, since we're talking about this, when they talk about the whole past life experience during, you know, the true no present times, they're talking about Dana Barrett's experience. We talk about the director, Mr. Ivan Reitman. Now, previous mm-hmm. to this movie, he had already had success as a producer of Animal House. He directed Meatballs and also directed both Dan Aykroyd, directed both Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and Stripes. Mm-hmm. Oh, those were hit, huge hits. So he was kind of the logical choice for director. Um, everybody uh, for years there was actually a long-standing rumor that apparently they offered uh, Ghostbusters to John Landis, and he's mm-hmm. gone on an interview saying like, "No, they never offered me uh, Ghostbusters." You think I would have turned down Ghostbusters? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Who like, turned down Ghostbusters? Exactly. So no, nah, he yeah, Spielberg co- wouldn't have turned down Ghostbusters. Exactly. So uh, yeah, uh, maybe Spielberg. Yeah. So, well, Spielberg has his own thing. Going Lucas on. would have. <laughs> so uh, the initial meeting for between Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Ryan was actually at Arts Delicatessen in Studio City out here in LA. Oh, really? And and uh, he explained the whole concept of the script to Ivan Ryan, and Ivan Ryan said, uh, "This is impossible to make because uh, in fact the original script was just so out there." Right. Uh, the original concept of Ghostbusters was basically it was going to be set in the future. And there were going to be like teams of Ghostbusters. Uh, the, the team in the movie is just one of many. And they would go through different dimensions. And they will, all the ghosts they would fight would be the size of the state of Marshmallow Man. Ah, okay. That was the original concept of Ghostbusters. Now, a few of the things from the original script made it to this script. One of which, excuse me, was the state of Marshmallow Man. The main ghosts, really, are the ones that uh, made it through. Uh, Gozer, Slimer. And the Stay Put Marshmallow Man are the only ghosts to transition from the original script to the movie, to the main movie. Well, sometimes uh, you just got to keep writing it. Yeah. But like I said, uh, Harold Raymond, I mean, uh, Ivan Raymond thought, like, yo, this is way too way much. Way too much. Me. So we need to kind of pare this down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So it was actually Ivan Raymond who suggested uh, bringing in Harold Ramis. Wasn't it, um, wasn't it Blues Brothers that originally was like... Like 250 pages or something insane like that. Yeah, it is so big that they actually had to put it into the uh, uh, a phone book. I mean, that was an interesting thing with the with with kind of some of these killer 1980s, 1970s no, it, 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 comedies. It, it, yeah, but I say it's actually, it wasn't even 200. It was actually double that. It was like 500. They they overwrote the hell out of it, and mm-hmm. then it was this major editing process to go back through and, and tear it down to something manageable. I love how Dan was like. Uh, Dan actually did an interview about that kind of stuff. He's like, yeah, I write them big. But they make them. That's true. <laughs> and some of my favorites. Yeah, exactly. I mean, without without Me too. question. Yeah. So apparently the original script would have cost something like two hundred million dollars to make. So it was like it was most serious in tone and intended to be scary. Uh, but yeah, also featured the ghost. The no ghost logo was also in the uh, in the original script. Uh, so yeah, they decided to change it from all that craziness to sitting mm-hmm. down and turning it into the most unique. Going into business story, oh, wow. they, they, they could ever they ever put on film, and that's what Ghostbusters, sure. that's what Ghostbusters is. Yeah, I love this here. We go like uh, he's giving her shit about look at all, all the, the junk, junk food. food. <laughs> you actually eat this? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So basically, they re, uh, it, it was uh, the script itself was rewritten over a couple of weeks in Martha's Vineyard, 
at uh, Dan Aykroyd's house out there. No, that sounds rough. Yeah, and they basically they just <laughs> they, yeah they sat in a uh, room day and night for two weeks straight in his basement. They wanted no distractions because in fact it's Martha's Vineyard and it's beautiful. So they just started work. They got a little uh, typewriter and just started reworking the fucking script. It was a lot easier back then to have no distractions because if you literally went, you know, mm-hmm. ten miles outside of town, yeah. you couldn't get any television reception. Mm-hmm. Nobody could reach you if you didn't have a phone. Yeah. There was no such thing as the internet. Like, it was a lot easier to totally get distraction-free. Now you can be out in the middle of nowhere and people call you on your cell. Yeah. And also, the original place, you know, like the original uh, storage facility was actually supposed to be a gas station in New Jersey. I mean, it still could be. We'll see what... Uh, what's, what's what's Ivan's kid's name again? Jason, um, Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman, yeah. Which mm-hmm. dude... Mm-hmm. Total aside, did you ever did you ever see Thank You for Smoking? Uh, I've seen parts of that. Dude, that. one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. He killed it in that. He did a pretty decent job. I actually really liked Up in the Air because I thought it was going to, like, there's a moment in it where mm-hmm. I go, ah, oh, God, it's going to become one of these stupid romantic comedy kinds of things. Yeah. Doesn't. Never wow. does. He pulls it back. Like, yeah. yeah. Solid. So I'm really excited to see what he does with the franchise. And also two things here. Uh, the, thing, the actual, we, we kind of missed over it. The uh, little device he has uh, is actually a sniffer created by United Technologies that's usually used to uh, locate uh, utility gas leaks and low oxygen hazards. Hmm. Uh, and actually, the original line, we should talk about like, uh, you don't act like a scientist, you act like more like a game show host. The original line is you're more like a used car salesman. Yeah, game show host is better. Game show host is better. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it, it makes you dislike him yeah. way too much too soon. Yeah, and then also the... Because uh, nobody likes used car salesmen. Nobody does. Sorry, used car salesmen. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a reputation. Sorry. <laughs> police your own. Yeah, police your own. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this here. Well, Ghostbusters, yes, of course, this series. We actually have our first... Yeah, we got one. We got a customer. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm not gonna get fired. Yeah, exactly. We're, I got a job. We're actually in business. Yeah. I love the three filing cabinets with nothing in them. Yeah, <laughs> and also uh, the uh, Ectomobile was actually supposed to be all black. I actually, I'm glad they went white though. And actually, there was actually a score written for this particular scene. It actually would have been the Ghostbusters theme. It's not used at all in this movie, but if you ever watch the 1984 behind-the-scenes featurette of it, you hear it in full blast. <laughs> it's, it's like a, this scene would have been it's, the theme would have been like sorry, just as quick as that. Yeah. I love Bill Murray's bringing his food down with him. He's like, mm, I'll just eat. I'm still hungry, and we get our first view of the Ecto One. Like I said, it's driving to be, absolutely. Psychotic. It's supposed to be all black, murdered out, and the lights are supposed to be like freaking purple strobe lights. I like the way they went. I'm glad they went with the white one. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it looks more like a like a police vehicle from back in the day. Yeah, and like the gut and the no go symbol, which I'm actually about to get into right now. So the actual logo itself was created by a dude that stayed, uh, <laughs> that Dan Aykroyd knows called the Viking. <laughs> So basically, he just did like he is a friend of Dan Aykroyd. He would do all these like uh, different uh, artistic concepts for his like different ideas. So the final design was actually done by uh, Michael C. Gross, who volunteered to uh, serve as the art director for this movie. Hmm. And basically, what they did is they took the uh, you know what I'm saying the classic logo that you get from like a uh, certain like uh, stop signals from like Europe with the yeah you know, yeah yeah you know, the with circle the, with the line through it, the exactly. no smoking or whatever. Yeah, and they just took the ghost and they actually. Uh, 
They were actually sued by the makers of a uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost because of the fact they felt that the ghost in the Re- symbol resembled looked too much like theirs. Yeah, it looked like uh, one of the ghosts, Fatso. Oh yeah, I remember Fatso. Yeah, Fatso. Yeah, of course it was. It was uh, settled in Columbia's favor. Like, no, that's not what we wanted at all. I love this interaction with the with the old dude. Yeah, somebody so saw a cockroach up on twelve. Must be some cockroach. Bite your head off, man. I'll take the next one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about the special effects, especially because we're going to have our first special effect come up here. Wait, so hold on. Yeah, they, yeah. The guy's smoking the cigar outside, but soon they get out. Oh, yeah, no smoking. No, no smoking. <laughs> I love this lady talking about, like, uh, my word. Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. <laughs> All right, so we talked Switch about. Switch me on. <laughs> Yeah, so in terms of the special effects, uh, I wish we had time to test these. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so all the major special effects were like uh, done by Boss Films, who we mentioned, yeah, uh, headed up by Richard Edlund. Uh, and like we, like we mentioned before, uh, they were actually trying to do get industrial light and magic to do this movie, but they are already booked doing uh. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so, yeah, they were busy. Sorry, we just have to mention they nearly murdered the maid. Yeah, with the first shot of the proton packs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually, funny enough, in the original script, those were wands. Like, actual wands that they would use. This uh, is better than old. <laughs> yeah, they were just like long sticks with a ball at the end. And uh, they fired them by flicking their wrists like a magician would. And pointing the wands at the ghosts. That was the original concept. And then they put so down. But now they changed it to uh, laser guns. Yeah. Know? Because the fact is, they give me the idea that this is all practical stuff that they came up with themselves. So, which is much better. Way better. And then look, yeah. Dan Aykroyd's walking around looking like he's an actual exterminator with a cigarette hanging well, out of his mouth. Yeah, with the fucking, yeah. And smoking inside and all this shit. Well, it was the 80s. Yeah. You still had, you still could oh, smoke. Oh, boy. Of first shot of Slimer, which is. If you ask anybody what the ghost of Ghostbusters is, it's Slimer. It's Slimer. Um, well, he comes back around in, uh, in in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, and also uh, Richard Edlund also worked on uh, Poltergeist, so like a lot of stuff he used for Poltergeist, he used for this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the ghost itself, uh, is described in the script as a gelatinous, uh, onion head shaped ghost, and that's what they actually call the ghost, uh, onion head, mm-hmm. uh, on set. And as far as like the characteristics of the ghost, they wanted uh, Dan Aykroyd asked specifically for him to have the uh, characteristics of uh, John Belushi, mm. particularly Belushi in Animal House. So you see him stuffing his face with all different food, and yeah. yeah. So in essence, Slimer is the ghost of John Belushi. <laughs> and like, oh, this oh, here we uh, go. Uh, classic scene here. Come in, Ray. <laughs> so, he's scared but so calm Damon I saw it I saw it I saw it he's right here Ray he's looking at me <laughs> he's like got that freeze because it's fight or fight yeah. was it fight or flight but then you also have yeah. freeze he's yeah. in the freeze yeah <laughs> here comes John Belushi yeah so the actual design of uh, Slimer took about six months and approximately $300,000 to develop. And it went through like different stages. And ultimately, what you see there is like actually a giant puppet. And the arms are actually, uh, there's a guy inside the actual puppet. <laughs> and he's operating the arms and shit. Uh, and actually, funny enough, the ghost didn't get the name Slimer to the cartoon. 
which we're going to yeah. talk about a little bit later. But it works because it literally just slimed him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also, he calls him a spud. You know what I'm saying? Like, because in fact, he's shaped like a potato pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this stuff. And he's actually, Sedgwick. <laughs> apparently, they, apparently, they used a bunch of uh, Belushi's headshots, too, in terms of developing Slimer. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I love this oh, this great scene here where they're like, you know. Destroy the ballroom. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, sir. We'll take care of everything. And these crazy, like, goggles that Dan Aykroyd has on. Which there's no reason to have. Yeah. Other than, because they're not night vision or anything. And you can see the ghost without him. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know why you got him either. Because it makes him look cool. It does make him look cool. He looks. He almost looks like he's uh, like he's uh, on a special ops mission or something, right? Like especially for the 1980s. Yeah. So uh, while they were writing uh, the actual, re- well, rewriting this uh, screenplay itself, they kind of developed the uh, core three Ghostbusters as certain characteristics. Now, in terms of, uh, so Bankman was the mouth, Dan Aykroyd is the hands, mm-hmm. and Egon is the brain. And that's how they. How Which they actually, it. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, the don't, don't cross the streams. streams. <laughs> the famous "Don't cross the streams" thing. It would be bad. I'm fuzzy on the whole good bad. Thing. <laughs> what do you mean bad? <laughs> yeah. Oh good lord. So apparently, the ectoplasm, the slime, is actually made of a, a thickening agent that's used to process foods, <laughs> <laughs> and with, with some dye in there. Yeah. Yeah. To give it that green color. Well, that's so they so the earlier ectoplasm they just didn't add the green food coloring. Mm. It's got to be the same stuff. And I love this. I love this thing here, where like uh, Bill Murray himself talks about this scene. He talks about the whole process of trapping a ghost, and he compares it to trying to get smoke into a coke bottle with a baseball bat. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, because all this extra shit that they do just to get that damn ghost. <laughs> yeah, look, Egon just keeps going here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chill out, chill out, chill out. <laughs> nice shooting, Tex. <laughs> oh man. And we like I said, we just saw this dude in Superman. Uh, the the hotel dude just saw the dude in Superman. Yep. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Such a little tightwad, man. He, he's so perfect for that. This guy, whoever this guy is, is an actor. Uh, every time I see him, he's always like some uptight ass dude like that. I love this here. And the flowers are still standing. <laughs> you know how many times I've seen that? And, like. Especially kid, even kids shows now. Oh yeah, do that all the time. Yeah, like I see it on the Disney Channel. Like I've seen like on Disney Channel shows all the time. Kids are like the flowers are still standing. <laughs> right, I'm so like, now they got them. Yeah, shorten your stream. Shorten I want my face. Stream. I don't want my face burned off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we, it's, it's like it's, you can make it shorter. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to just sit here and enjoy this movie, guys. Dude, man. it's You're so right. it's so good. Look at this. You're closing it. Yeah. Now, yeah, and Dan Aykroyd came up with all these concepts, which is so fucking crazy. Dude, Dan Aykroyd's a freaking genius. Oh my god, yes, he really he is. is. Yes, he is, bro. That's why I like uh, when I was listening to John Landis is uh, when they offered him um, Man in Black. It's like uh, these are the Ghostbusters, dressed as the Blues Brothers, and you owe Dan Aykroyd some money. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Yeah. It was such a chore, and I was it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Now another famous line coming right here. Oh yeah. Boom. We came. We saw. We kicked his ass. <laughs> we got it. 
Man, so Big good. smelly one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Focus, non-terminal, repeating phantasm on Class 5, full room and vapor. Real nasty one, too. <laughs> but now we get to the actual money shit. Like, so so the charging for Ghostbusters. Now, for the entrapment, I love the Herald here. We give them, like, the signals. Uh, mm-hmm. So the entrapment's going to cost you $4,000 now, $4,000. We also have a special this week on proton charging and storage of the beast. That's only going to come to $1,000. I had no idea it'd be so much I won't pass. That's fine. We just put it right back in there. <laughs> okay, no worries. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right. Anything. <laughs> what is that? Now we get our first little thing of the Ghostbusters thing. There's something strange. Yeah. In your neighborhood. I love the, I love the news advertising though. Like, we're, we're, the Eastern Seaboard is awake with the incidents of paranormal activity. Alleged ghost sightings and related supernatural occurrences have been reported all across the tri-state area. And I, and I, let, I let this dude here behind the uh, reporter. Like, what's up? What's, what y'all doing? <laughs> and my grandma used to spin local yarns about a spectral locomotive that goes out. <laughs> but now we get the first little thing of the Ghostbusters. The, the other thing I actually dug was how you've got Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. doing that 1980s workout in front of your television thing. Because yeah. that, that was like the thing you see in every movie from back then. Ghostbusters! And you see in a couple times she's like in leg warmers and shit. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the most 1988 Cause that, cause he, I mean, he they let him go from CNN forever ago. Yeah, but like he actually does his thing a Larry King now online. So like, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll, that's part of that Russian television station he works for. This right here, this is the very first shot of the movie. Oh, uh, the very first shot they did. The very first shot that they did, and they, oh, actually yeah. they had just got Bill Murray from the airport, and that first shot of them running and doing the montage together in costume for the first time. Well, yeah. so that makes yeah. sense because that was one of the things they always uh, that I was always taught about when it comes to making a movie, right? So mm-hmm. when it when you're dealing with a completion bond company or with a studio, mm-hmm. they always want to know when you get your first shot of the day. Yeah. So if you got a good DP and a good first AD, yeah. as soon as possible they'll shoot anything, even if it's a throwaway, even if it's something you don't use, even if they're just going to go get an insert that's like an exterior wide shot. Yeah, they'll do that. So if they just picked them up at the airport, they mm-hmm. want to say, hey, we got our first shot. They run out, have them run down the street, shoot it. It doesn't matter if it takes you four hours for the next shot. Also, real quick, uh, this scene here uh, where you see the Dan Aykroyd in some bedroom dressed up like a prince with the ghost taking down his pants. That was actually a deleted scene where, like, it was actually Winston and uh, Ray investigating, like, an old fort, and this is what happens. (laughs) Oh, because he is. He's, like, halfway into a fort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rather than being like, like, cause see now they're back. Yeah. yeah. That shot right there, they were back like actually inside of the uh, firehouse. And we got our first shot of Mr. Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore, the Ooh. fourth Ghostbuster. I love, yeah, this interview. Do you believe in astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? Uh, if there's a state of paycheck in it, I believe anything you say. <laughs> I just love that weird ass like thing. Of, yeah. But it's the best answer. I was like, "Hey, if you gonna pay me, sure." Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, uh, the the role of Winston was written originally for Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And the only reason what happened it, there? the only reason that Eddie didn't do it because he was doing Beverly Hills Cop. Ah. Uh, 
So it wasn't that Eddie Murphy turned it down, but he was doing something conflict. else. Yeah, he had a conflict. He was already in the middle of filming something else. Well, I mean, but he said otherwise. That way better for him. They just, actually they just asked him about that recently on uh, Jimmy Fallon on, on the Tonight Show. Yeah. Because it's like one of those long-standing rumors. Like you, you turned down Ghostbusters? No, only because I was doing Beverly Hills Cop. It wasn't, it wasn't that. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you could you could argue he turned it down, but it makes sense. Yeah, he's doing something else, and that was turn, yeah. it turned out to be the biggest. You go from you go from being a lead in your own franchise to yeah. being an ensemble cast member. Yeah, it makes sense. You go with the lead. In go the with franchise. the lead. Yeah, you go with the lead. Yeah. So boom. Uh, yeah, all this here where they have a little. Uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah, you're the best one in your row. I love, her, I love her response like that's good like most people can't hear me with the whole orchestra playing <laughs> <laughs> uh, now in terms of like casting here because like a lot of this is just like you know, you know kind of frenzy you know uh, banter between the two of them. Oh yeah, that dude. That's, that's actually Timothy Cathcart. I know over there with his allergies. Yeah, and he was actually funny enough. So we talked about Beverly Hills Cop. He was the he becomes the villain in Beverly Hills Cop three. Well, I mean, we're done with him after Ghostbusters, so. True, yeah. He, but he went on to a bunch of other shit, though. <laughs> he did. He did. All right. So, in terms of uh, casting here, like I said, we talked about uh, Ernie Hudson. This one. Apparently, Ernie Hudson went through five auditions for the character and had to wait a month before learning he got the part. Now, originally, Winston was actually supposed to be, lar- had a larger part. He was actually supposed to be like an Air Force demolitions expert with an elaborate backstory. And uh, that was actually the original concept that was pitched to Ernie Hudson. But... When they brought on Bill Murray, most of the shit with Winston went to Bankman. Mm. So, like, all the funny stuff. Like, actually, funny enough, since we talked about the sliming thing, in the original script, it was supposed to be Winston that gets slimed, mm. not Bankman. So, yeah, they switched all the really good shit over to Bankman. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Bill Murray gets the good shit. Yeah, exactly. It's Bill Murray. Exactly. So, yeah. So, and so. at this point, it's post-Stripes, you know, it's post-Meatballs. Like, he's yeah. been around a minute. Yeah, exactly. Plus all the SNL. Yeah. Caddyshack. Yeah. And also another person uh, um, interested in the part of uh, Winston was actually Gregory Hines. Really? Was uh, considered at one point. And uh, as far as casting Bill Murray, since we talked about uh, Mr. Bill here, uh, he was actually uh, not... He was known at that point for not committing to projects until the last minute. And the only reason he did this is to... uh, Because uh, the uh, head of uh, Columbia at the time, Frank Price... Agreed to fund the Razor's Edge, the mm. drama that he had co-written and he was starring in. So basically, saying like it's sort of like a gesture saying like if Ghostbusters fails, you still got this other movie. So come on, do Ghostbusters. And I love this scene here with the introduction of the uh, storage unit. Right. Well, yeah. and this is one of those ones where like it's yeah. they're, they're able to give you the exposition you need. Yeah. Without actually going into like a Morsey explainer sort of thing because it's on the job yeah. training. Yeah. Close. Lock the system. Set your entry grid. Neutronize your field and lights green. Trap is clean. Trap is clean. Actually, in the original script, there's a window where you can actually look inside the storage unit and you see basically like all a, the ghosts flying around. It's like a jail almost. Like just, we see all these like different creatures inside. Like, you know, and Winston actually looks inside and sees it in the script, which is crazy. I bet that would have been cool if they kept it. I mean, they kind of give you a sense of it later on when they let them out. And I think they did it a little bit in the commercials, too. Or in the, uh, the cartoons, too. They, did, they? they definitely did in the cartoons. And now we get our first shot of uh, Mr. Walter Peck. But actually, before that, I love this little thing here between him and Janine. She's talking, like, uh, talking about, like, are you promising me you hire more help? Janine, a woman with your skills would have no problem finding a top-flight job in either the 
food service or housekeeping industries. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, yeah, the one of the great '80s assholes, Mr. William Atherton, who was fantastic in Die Hard. Oh my God, you just love to watch him get punched in the face. He's also like he's also the bad guy in Real Genius. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, with Val Kilmer. Yeah, dude, I forgot all about that one. Yeah. A young, young Val Kilmer. A very young Val Kilmer. Uh, so, William Atherton apparently was chosen uh, after appearing on a Broadway play called Broadway alongside Gilda Radner, of all people. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so... Uh, Talk about comedic talent. Yeah, so basically, uh, the role was ascribed to him as a keen to being uh, Margaret Demo's role as the comedic foil for the March Brothers. <laughs> so, basically, William Atherton said, it can't be funny... And I don't find the Ghostbusters in the least bit charming. I have to be outraged. So that's basically how it goes here. Like, like just, just like. And the funny thing about it is the whole character. He's actually right. How do you, how do you figure? The Ghostbusters are violating all kinds of like EPA rules in their operation. Yeah, and, but but but, really but the way but the way he's going about it. I don't think EPA yeah. rules matter. Yeah, I know, but, was, uh, <laughs> but the way he's going about it makes him come across as a dick. Like, well, and when he forces them to shut it down and they release all the ghosts. Yeah, and he just call, makes even more. He makes more everything care. worse. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, he yeah he's a dick. So I'm gonna force you to do whatever because I've not done anything. Yeah, exactly. Now you show me what is down there. I'll come back with a court order. Ooh. <laughs> Going toe to toe with Bill Murray's not. I, I look, at the, look at this. The dudes, it is everybody just smoking cigarettes? Well, yeah. I mean, back then. Yeah, in know. the eighties. Yeah, and now, uh, now, uh, Mr. Egon here is giving them an explanation of the problems they're about to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about with the, the Twinkie. With the Twinkie, yeah. Talking about, uh, this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. Uh, New York area, excuse me. According to this morning sample, it'd be a Twinkie. 35 feet long and approximately 600 pounds. <laughs> so yeah, something big and Only bad is coming. Only 600 pounds? It's not too bad. Something big <laughs> and something very bad is coming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, uh yeah, I, tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. What about the Twinkie? Yeah. Here's a good map. Oh my god, great man. Look at that. With the See, this is something, so if you don't understand, if you're not familiar with filmmaking, so a mat is literally a painted piece of glass that gets set in front of the camera mm-hmm. to create a sense of, of depth or something, but it's basically like the cheapest, oldest version of special effects. Yeah. That's a great little soundstage. Dun, 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 with the music, the Elmer Bernstein mm-hmm. music, Brenda. With the with the evil dog, this is yeah. this is the well, it's a it's a giant mochi, bud. Basically, <laughs> the thing about it is like freaking like the red glowing eyes. And I actually, uh, I remember Ivan Reitman and people like saying this like composers back in the day knew how to use a goddamn brass section. Oh yeah, like the Jerry Goldsmith well, shoot. Film yeah. in general back yeah. in the day. This is this was a really good note that uh, that Tom always used to give us. You know, mm-hmm. back in the day when it came to making a movie. Mm-hmm. You, you really had filmmakers who understood and pushed for the idea of having and working with a composer where they would score your film. So you would finish cutting your film. Yeah. This is how I want it to go. Then you'd bring in the music. Yeah. And, and Tom always said that we were starting to do it ass backwards where now we were taking music mm-hmm. and it was like we're turning everything into a damn music video where you're trying to force bits of music in or rather change what you're putting on the screen to match the music you already have. Yeah. And this one, like you said, man, they just... Mm-hmm. Fantastic use with stingers, mm-hmm. with themes for different characters. Like it's it's insane. 
And also right here, uh, where we, uh, we talked about Lewis Tully, where he's trying to invite her to his party for, <laughs> for his clients. Yeah. Now, we talked, we talked about a little about uh, Lewis Tully himself. Now, in terms of casting, uh, apparently Jay Leno ran for Lewis Tully. Uh, they originally wanted John Candy, but John Candy wanted to do it in such a weird way. He wanted Lewis to have like a German accent. He wanted him to have like <laughs> he wanted him to have like German shepherds and shit, and they were like, uh, "No, that's not." What I mean, doing. if he'd have done just normal John Candy, yeah, it would have been great. Or even like a Midwest John Candy, like yeah. when he's when he's like uh, part of the polka thing yeah. in uh, uh, Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, like, just like, like that polka band guy. Yeah, that would have like, been great. Yeah, that would have been fine. Like he would have done great, but yeah, he, short of that, Rick Moranis as is. Fantastic. Yeah, so uh, when uh, John Candy passed on it, they went to Rick Moranis, who uh, apparently Ivan Reitman and him had worked together in Toronto. Uh, so he like he gave uh, Rick Moranis the script. About an hour later, Rick called back. He's like, yeah, I got, yeah, I, I got this character. I know exactly what this character is. Got it. And he actually also uh, thanked John Candy for passing on this. Yeah. So, so yeah, Rick Moranis And came actually, in. just as a mm-hmm. quick note before yeah. we have her attacked by the dog, oh, one thing I love about Rick Moranis. Yeah. He's one of those guys who he stepped back from Hollywood to take care of his family. Yes. And I don't mind that. Tons of respect for that. I admire that. Now, this actual door thing was actually Ivan Reitman's idea. And it's he, actually it, pretty awesome. He got that from Close Encounters. Yeah, just playing playing with, uh, with the hands coming. Yeah. yeah, this is the scary part with the hands yeah. coming through the damn thing, and then you see the giant fucking monster dog waiting for you. Yeah. Ugh. It's crazy, man. Somebody's hand was uh, was copping a fill on her. No, right actually, there. actually, the, uh, of them behind the scenes thing, like the dude that was doing the thing where he was like copping the fill was actually trepidatious about doing that until Sigourney Weaver actually took the hand and put it on the titty. She's like, just do it. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, uh, they were worried about me too back then. Exactly, but she she's like, fuck it, do it. Well, I bet yeah. it it works because I mean you gotta look at the story side of stuff. Like that's what you need for this story. Yeah, the monsters don't give a fuck about your. Titty. Yeah, it's not. It's not like yeah. the monster can be like, um, excuse so, me, excuse me, let me let me tap you. Is this is this okay? Is this okay? Now all, all right this stuff this? here at this party, like this is all improv by fucking Rick Moranis because he came up with the whole concept of him being an accountant. I love this here. He's talking about like, uh, yeah, I'm thinking this whole thing is a party expense, so that's why I'm inviting clients instead of friends. You having a good time? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and this tall chick here, that is Jean Kasem. Jean Kasem? Mrs. Casey Kasem. Ah, okay. Yeah, and she came into some controversy recently, especially by the time he died, because of the fact it was kind of like, she's like of the mind that uh, his children couldn't see him as he was passing away. Yeah. So. I, I remember hearing about that. I didn't realize this was her, though. Yeah, Jean Kasem. Was she already married to him when this when mm-hmm. was shot? Yep. And Casey Kasem, you, uh, uh, since we talked about the montage, Casey Kasem was in the montage because it's still the you know host of the top forty or whatever. Mm. Oh shit, demon dog in my bedroom. <laughs> so, does anybody want to play for cheesy? <laughs> yeah. Okay, who brought the dog? Yeah, okay, who brought the dog? Boom! <laughs> Here's so, some great stuff. Oh, motion. man, Gene Kasem went through the window. <laughs> See, yeah. Ah. Wait. When you see that, when you see the puppeted dog actually moving around and jumping, yeah, that's when I go, "Hey, Clash of the Titans, that's great." Yeah, very much. So. <laughs> I love this old lady that comes up. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is this, this weird thing where where this particular dog like imprinted, and it's like it's got to be Rick Moranis because yeah. he's literally like a room full of people. Yeah, he's like a bear in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> that damn thing. 
pops through. And there you go. You got you got all yeah. of that awesome. Also, uh, another thing here in this particular scene, there's actually another deleted scene where you see Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd as two homeless dudes. Was this Cabrini Green? No, Tavern on the Green. Tavern on the Green. Yeah, but it's like two. Yes, yeah, Bill Murray and Dan is two homeless dudes discussing like economics and shit, and they see Lewis being chased by the dog, and you see the dog, and it's like, oh, it's perhaps some kind of spitzer. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no! He's definitely a spaniel, some kind of spaniel. <laughs> and actually, funny enough, Debbie Gibson, the singer, she's yeah. a, she's an extra in the singer. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that's one of the things. If you get to the right spot in these things, you can you can find yourself getting to play as just small little bit parts mm-hmm. like that, just for the fun yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just looks. And it's yeah. That's such a Tavern New, on the that's such a New York joke, though. Yeah, where everyone's like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's, that's New York. Yeah, I'd never seen that uh, that deleted scene with them as the homeless guys. Yeah, it, uh, if you look on like certain special features of like re-releases of Ghostbusters, you see them together. Uh, and uh, the the homeless dude that Bill Murray does is basically him doing Carl Carl from Caddyshack again, the whole mouth and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Carl from Caddyshack is fantastic. It, it's him that keeps saying the spaniel thing. Yeah, he's a spaniel. Definitely a spaniel. <laughs> oh man, look at that impact on the yeah. A lot of people yeah. miss the impact on, on the other door. The door. Yeah. yeah, man. Now we get Dana as Zool, the gatekeeper. Such a hot little. No, girl. she's not. She's not Zool. She's the gatekeeper. Yeah, Zool is the gatekeeper. No, I thought Zool was the was the name of the god that comes out later. It's no, I no, 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 no. God, uh, Gozer is the name of the god. Oh, okay. The two, I guess the, I got two it wrong. The, the two minions are Zul, Sigourney, and eventually Ben's Clortho, which is Rick Moranis' character. But oh, okay. And, and funny, enough, uh, funny enough, Key and Peel, since we talked about them, uh, Key and Peel did a skit where they had uh, an inner city version of Hogwarts, and the name of the school was Ben's Clortho High School. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, the inner city version, of, like it's us and Hogwarts, I'm like no, <laughs> Hogwarts is number one. Vince Clotho is like 171 of like the best schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zoo, yeah, Zoo, the gatekeeper and the key master and all the shit. That's right. I had it mixed up for some reason. I was thinking Zool and Gozer were the same. No, nah, Gozer is the destructor. <laughs> right. Zool, Zool prepares the way. All this shit is so damn aggroy, bro. Yeah. Oh my god. I love, I love him. He's like, yeah, you could fix up the place if you expected somebody. <laughs> Do you want this body? Is that a trick question? <laughs> Such great stuff here. Yeah. Take me now, the creature. <laughs> <laughs> now, funny enough, uh, Sigourney Weaver, when she was, uh, you know, uh, trying to do, uh, basically being uh, asked to do this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually came into the office uh, of Ivan Reitman, freaking like she did the whole thing where she turned into a dog and she like got on his couch and like tore apart his like uh, pillows and shit. And Ivan Reitman's like, "Whoa, you got it!" <laughs> and they already wanted I don't know, dude. That's they, they, like... now, they already wanted her because she's already a big name because of Alien. Yeah, but it kind of reminds me. What, what was that actress again? We were talking about who who showed up. Oh, Sean, Sean, Sean Young. Sean, yeah, yeah. It kind except, of reminds me of that. I'm like going, damn, like, except, take it down a notch. Except this had a positive result. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, actually, another person I auditioned for this role, Julia Roberts. <laughs> she couldn't have done this role. No, she could not have done this role, no. Uh, but, yeah, like, initially, uh, they didn't think she was 
uh, Sigourney would do this because the fact she was known mainly for dramatic and right. shit like that. Like Alien and the Year. But she of, yeah. but she plays she plays in, you know when you talk about comedy she plays the straight man. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. She's not she's not at any point in time the ridiculous comedian. She's the straight man. Even when all this crazy shit's happening to her, yeah. she's still essentially the straight man. Yeah, and she actually had experience in comedy from her time in uh, Yale uh, School of Drama. So she had done comedy before, just not on the big screen like that before. Uh, and this thing right here, the rig. Oh man, it's an easy rig. That's an old. That's an old magician trick. Yeah. So basically, they had a mold of her body, form-fitting mold of her body that allows her to float. Well, because you see how her dress is hanging, they do that on purpose so they can <laughs> cover the arm. Yeah. And they just rotate her. Yeah. So that's why you don't see Bill. That's why you see Bill when he goes down. He goes under the the rig that's holding it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Please come down. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And actually, actually, funny enough, the voice, the demonic voice for Zool there was actually Ivan Reitman. <laughs> there is no Dana, only Zool. That's Ivan Reitman. I love what he claims. What he claims he like whacked her up with Thorazine or something. <laughs> I'm getting to that. Actually, funny enough, I'm getting to that. Like, but I like to say Rick Moranis is being Rick Moranis like in the in Central Park. Gatekeeper. Smelling something. Are you the gatekeeper? Yeah. I'm the keymaster. <laughs> He's <laughs> talking the to the horse. Talking to the horse, yeah. Yeah, talking to the horse. <laughs> Are you the gatekeeper? I like the little fact there with the eyes twinkling red, like very teen wolf. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Freaking out these dudes. Even that even though the dudes themselves are not really that freaked out though. Like as you walk, as I know, for for what it was, you should have been way more freaked out. And the guys are like, "What an asshole!" And they talking to their horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> mhm. Don't worry about the, the, yeah. that. Was part of the uh, part of the sound effects? Yes, folks. The dogs. That, yeah, that was part of the sound effects, folks. That's all that was. <laughs> uh, as we've seen this scene here, where Vince Clotho's being dropped off at the Ghostbusters headquarters. Uh, being put in the care of uh, Egon and uh, Janine. <laughs> you see Rick Moranis here, and uh, full-on Vince Clortho mode. And I love, I love when he holds up the little uh, this device here. Like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> better bring him in a second. Yeah, so uh, you're bringing, uh, bringing uh, Vince into the Ghostbusters headquarters with the colander yeah. headset. He said, "Yeah, he's such a humanitarian." I don't think he's human. <laughs> <laughs> Now he starts going to this whole diatribe about, you know, what he is. Yeah. Yeah. Goes to the traveler. <laughs> yeah, all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I am Vince Clotho, Keymaster Gozer. According to this, his name is Lewis Tully. He lives in Central Park West. You're waiting for the sign. What's the sign you're talking about? Goes to the traveler. He would come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of Valdrani, the, the traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, then it the, uh, <laughs> was the... Then the reconciliation of our McKetrick supplicants became another form. That is a giant slore. Many shoves and jewels knew what it was to be wrestling in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. Such fucking. <laughs> so damn accurate, bro. Definitely a dad accurate life. So damn accurate. And she's like, come here. There's <laughs> something really weird about that guy. No shit. He's <laughs> on the outside of a jar full of popcorn. Yeah, he's Rick like, Moranis is just. Rub, and rubbing his face with the pizza. <laughs> She's like, he's triggered by the phone. Yeah. See, even Rick is triggered by the phone. Uh huh. 
He's fucking you, you do realize that he's like inhabited by a spirit from some still triggered weird form. He's still triggered universe. by the phone. Now, yeah, like this is the part we're just talking about. The whole thing where he's like, oh, I worked over about two hundred cc's of thorazine. Why do you have thorazine with you on a date? Uh, because it definitely wasn't thorazine. Oh my god! This is his. Hey, I just banged her finally, but of course she's inhabited by a demon dog from a parallel universe but uh what it is is like uh modern audiences are seen as like kind of some date rape type shit because he brought like, yeah just, yeah so but i but again i don't it, but even if it's not thorazine because he probably didn't whack her up with thorazine yeah. if he had sex with her it's still not her right she's like mentally incompetent dude don't even try to rationalize i'm just saying shit. don't even don't even attempt to try to rationalize that shit Ugh. Oh my god yeah, he's like kissing her. I'm bad news, baby. I gotta leave. And stay with me. And stay here until I get back. <laughs> so gross. What's even weirder, though, that they mm-hmm. never really totally explain is how mm-hmm. they go from this movie to the next movie where she's back and now she's got a kid. Not by him, but he's still super into her. Yeah, they kind of... They, they just explain. gloss over No, they briefly explain it. They gloss over it. How, how, I mean, how many chicks do you know that you were ever into... That basically shut you down, bail on you, mm-hmm. come back around. Now they got a kid, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Yeah, I'm still into her the same amount." Actually, by the the script of it, it seemed that, well, yeah, you know what? Because if it was his, she kid, bailed on him, but only because like he apparently he showed he was starting to show like a lack of interest, and she kept she, she kept trying to get married, and he wasn't. But what I'm saying is, if it lack was his, kid. it yeah. would have made more sense if it was his kid, and like yeah. they'd kind of broken up, and now they're getting back together. Yeah. It being some other dude's kid, I think. For me, anyway, it kind of kills the romance. But we can get yeah. to that when we watch the other one. I got you, yeah. I got you. Yeah, but I'll let this little talk about here. They're talking about uh, Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every every religion has their own myth about the end of the world. Myth? Has it ever occurred to you the, way, the reason that we've been so busy lately is because the dead have been rising from the grave? Yeah. That's what it is, man. Yep. That realization. I love how it is. Like, even when he's talking, he's doing the um, whole thing about metallurgy. Like, yes. So damn accurate. <laughs> Definitely. This this roof cap is made of a magnesium tungsten alloy. <laughs> uh, Dude, this is a, that was a gorgeous shot, sunrise in New York. Yeah, exactly, with the Ghostbuster vehicle going across the bridge and shit. But and now we get the pecker. The pecker with the police <laughs> and the fucking uh, what? Yeah, some asshole hands and papers. And now you got the uh, what? The con ed guy. It's supposed to be like his lawyer showing up from getting the court order. Yeah, and then you got a police officer here and also a con ed guy to shut the Ghostbusters down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I she's like, yeah, you can't come in here without a warrant or a writ or something. He starts naming off all the different forms he has in that little yeah. folder. <laughs> I'm glad but, he brought a briefcase that he's not keeping the forms in. Yeah. He's just like, like, who are you, motherfucker? Like, seriously, like, how are you walking? Like, yeah. Like, you just can't just walk in this motherfucker. What the fuck? Ceasing to assist all commerce orders and whatever shit. And a fellow, uh, F, yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck. I don't, <laughs> I was trying to say it, but fucking, I don't, I don't, Dude, just let that one go. I don't like legal jargon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, shut this off. Shut this off. I know that part. Shut these off. Shut this off. Shut everything off. I want to turn everything off. I don't know what any of it does. Exactly. Turn it off. Yeah. And also, um, we talked about Mr. Harold Ramis. We haven't really talked about the look of Egon. Now. How did he get a captain from the police department with him? I don't get that either. 
Uh, movie magic, man. Movie, movie magic. magic. Yeah. So uh, apparently, the look of Egon was inspired by uh, art, uh, a journal on abstract architecture, and the dude that featured on it was actually uh, wearing a tweed suit with with uh, wire room glasses and hair standing straight up. Yeah. So that's the look of Egon. And also, he got the name from two dudes that he knew. Uh, well, well, one dude that he knew in high, in uh, high school named uh, Egon. Um, oh yeah, is a Hungarian refugee named Egon, and the last name came from a historian Oswald Spangler. Egon Spangler. That's great. And as far as other people considered for Egon, it was Christopher Walken, John Lithgow, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered for Egon. <laughs> those have been interesting choices, all through, all four. Very much so. Especially Christopher Lloyd. Well, Christopher Lloyd would end up doing, you know, Doc Brown and all this shit. So. Egon, we have him as Egon and Doc Brown. <laughs> Man. Sorry, I just love this moment when he said, you can shoot him. He's like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, you, you, do, you do your shut job. Up, like, yeah, you do your job, pencil. Like, don't tell me how to do mine. That shit. Yeah, man, I, I just thought to slowly move. Away. Sneak out so like this is gonna be bad. I love how the music just like kind of yeah. just let you know yeah they they just fucked up. Well, this is the uh, this is the sign right that they yeah. keep talking about. This is the sign. Even uh, Rick says it like you see him smiling. Con Ed, well, and you see the Con Ed guys like oh, oh shit. But you see Rick smiling. Yeah, Rick smiling, but everyone else like oh shit, this is yeah. gonna be bad. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Rick is so boom. Funny. Yeah, ghosts uh, ghosts are loose now. Fucking up here. I want this man arrested, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you it's like you just did it. You, you, Why are you arrested? Yeah, you legit. Yeah, shit? you legit fucked this city. It's well, it's like it's like anything else. Like if you showed up, pick it. Anyone mm-hmm. that does any kind of like manufacturing, you're like turn everything off, right, and then there's an explosion. So we're talking about the other uh, thing here. Look on the side of the well, well, not um, not this shot yet, but you'll see on the side of one of the buildings, you see an advertisement for Staple Marshmallows. Yeah. No, they did a really good job kind of seeding that in. Oh, yeah. Another little, little great moment here coming up right now. And uh, going out of business. Yeah, Janine says that. Look on the left side there. Who was that? Wow. <laughs> Rest Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy, porn star galore. And also currently uh, uh, in jail right now for sexual, sexual assault. assault. Is an extra in Ghostbusters. You mean to tell me that a guy who made his name as a porn star, yeah, who for the last fifty years, I guess, continues 40, to 50, yeah, 40, 50 continues years. to pick up women at bars and have sex with them, yeah, may have at one time or another crossed the line, or at least would put himself in a position mm-hmm. to be accused of crossing the line. Exactly. I love That's this. Here. I love this. Here. You're a mother. <laughs> but look, look at the side of the building. Yep. Staple of Marshalls. Yep. I love the, the thing. I think that was a map. Yeah. But yeah, look at the song with the ghosts, all yeah. the luminescent ghosts uh, roaming the city now. Please, let's get some, some magic, magic. I believe it's magic, magic. I believe it's magic. Magic. I believe it's magic, magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Lewis passes by and then the ghosts come out. Mm-hmm. From the train station here, subway station. Yeah, very, very uh, creep, creep very, show. Yeah, very creep show. Oh yeah, and this this one is the creepiest one to me. The the uh, zombie cab driver was like it's flesh. Ugh. Yeah. Skeleton. Good puppetry. Very good. And then actually in the original script, there's actually more ghosts mm-hmm. added to the scene. But they had to. I'm sure yeah. they had to cut it for budget. But and, uh, but inside that and cab, the cab, the, the dude uh, doesn't even notice that the cab driver's going broke, driving crazy. Hey, Slimer! Yeah, Slimer in the hot dog cart. 
But there's also one more that they didn't add where, uh, well, actually two more. Uh, one where they're in a movie theater and like uh, the ghosts actually start coming out of people in the theater mm. and they think it's part of the movie. They're like, it's a 3D movie too. Oh, right. Yeah. And then another one where like they're in the office building and like a bunch of secretaries are getting goosed by a ghost. <laughs> so they didn't add those. Like he's like touching asses and titties and shit. That was the radar version. Yeah. Oh my God. Instant remodel. Yeah. Boom. It doesn't even explain why she did this. <laughs> well, it's to make sure Rick Moranis gets back. Yeah. Besides, they want to have sex outside. Yeah. Hey, God. I made a phone call. I just work with these dudes, man. I want you know. Like, Winston's just like, fuck these dudes. I ain't trying to go to jail. It's like, literally, I all, all I ever said was, I just wanted to get paid. Exactly. Paychecks all I asked. More murder stuff like, uh, yeah. Cold, riveted girders with cores of pure selenium. Now, everyone in the everyone in the jail is like, let's come over and take a look. What's going on? That fat dude looks like my homeboy, Gilly. <laughs> that's that's what Gilly looks like? Yeah, he looks just like Gilly. <laughs> I, I've heard, I heard yeah. about Gilly for years now. Yeah, that's but a, that's a close, very close <laughs> representation. I'll show you what he really looks like, but that's a very close representation of Gilly. <laughs> I love this thing. He's like, uh, look, just pretend I don't know anything about engineering, metallurgy, or physics, and just tell me what the hell's going on. You never studied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically explaining what's going on with the building. This building is this way super conductive antenna that was created for the pool, sole purpose of pulling in and channeling spiritual turbulence. In other words, your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even Bill Murray's like, you know, I, I like it because she like sleeps above her covers. Four feet above the coast. Oh man! Everybody's like, "What the hell is wrong with these?" But people? yeah, this is this is definitely the exposition moment of the movie where yeah. you can explain the whole. But thing. But they actually did a decent job getting through it without it being a Morrissey explainer. And I think mm-hmm. I think having Bill Murray outside of the ideology or the understanding of all the scientific stuff they're playing with really serves a great purpose to be able to communicate it to the audience yeah. without you feeling like someone's just sitting down giving you the exposition. Yeah. Man, it's so crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, explaining the whole thing with Evo Shandor, those are worshippers, and like, you know, close to a thousand followers from when he died. They conducted rituals on that roof. Bizarre rituals intended to bring about the end of the world, and now it looks like it may actually happen. It hasn't been a really good like comedy end of the world movie in a long time no they did what was that one uh with like the alien i think they call it the end of the world with the aliens and shit it was pretty dumb wasn't seth rogan in it oh you're talking about that shit where it, it basically the, it's basically the rapture yeah something i think like yeah that. i know what you're it was about. pretty dumb it's pretty dumb they yeah. tried with danny like, you know yeah. what you know zombie land zombie land was a solid i mean it's a specific because it's zombie mm-hmm. end of the world mm-hmm. but it's still end of the world oh but real quick here uh, we got Reginald Bell Johnson mm-hmm. <laughs> playing the role he was born to play, play a, a cop. cop. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, William Atherton and Reginald Bell Johnson in this movie, what three years before Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah. before uh, Die Hard. Yep. Yeah. No, actually, I think four years before well, Die then, Hard. And then when he was on, uh, when he was on, was on TV, he was still a cop. I mean, yeah. He was always Carl a cop. Winslow, he's always been a cop. Yeah. He's a great cop. He's a cop in, in Turner and Hooch. Dude, we need to write a movie where he can come in and play a cop. We have to. We absolutely, now that you say it out loud, it, 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 we, we absolutely have to. But yeah, now that we could we could write him a movie that is just about him, him being, being a cop. cop. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> well, now the key the best moments yeah. of Rick Moranis's life, yeah. and it didn't happen because yeah. he was possessed by a demon dog. And funny enough, Rick Moranis 
like in terms of like the cast, he's actually the shortest person because all the Ghostbusters and Sigourney Weaver are all at least six feet tall. Yeah, and William Atherton too. Like he is the shortest person. Like I think I think Janine, him and Janine are like the two shortest people. Yeah. Well, he, that's why they, they they put them together in the next one. Yeah. Yeah, like this here, like with the music, is they mm-hmm. like kind of like zombie like walk to these stairs with the smoke and shit. They were apparently a, hiding behind her fridge the whole time. Yeah. Dun, dun, do, 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 do. Now the Ghostbusters, I mean the mayor. <laughs> I love this shit here, man. Like freaking like the Ghostbusters are important now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the mayor played by the late David Margolis. Yeah, he yeah that's another great character after you've seen a bunch of different shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters. See, where's his peck? <laughs> I am Walter Peck, sir. <laughs> they're like, fuck. and they're just like, fuck this dude. Man. <laughs> Everybody's that way. What do you say? These guys were doing stuff outside yeah. of my control, and yeah. since I'm in charge of everybody yeah. everywhere, yeah, exactly. that's why everything went wrong. Yeah. People think they're seeing ghosts, and they call these bozos to con- who show up to deal with the problem with a fake electronic light show. Oh, yeah. They cause an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true, sir. This man has no dick. <laughs> Such a great line. Well, it's because Dad Aykroyd sets him up so perfectly. Yeah, everything was going fine until Dick was here. Shut off. <laughs> You've seen the TV edits of this scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the TV edits are so bad. Yeah, because it's like Dan Aykroyd calls him Willie Wick. <laughs> and like, uh, Bill Murray says he like has like a dog face or something like that instead yeah. of that having no dick. Hey, I love this stuff here where they explain all the shit that's going on. Like I've seen every form of combustion known to man. This beats the hell out of me. The, wo- the, 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 ja- the Jamaican dude, the wolves in the 53rd precinct were bleeding. How do you explain that? <laughs> and they bring in the fucking archbishop and shit, yeah. Well, I think he's supposed to be like a cardinal or something. And funny enough, I think uh, Bill, one of Bill Murray's relatives is an archbishop. No so, shit. So, really? this, so this scene actually meant something to him. Huh. Yeah. I had no idea that his, uh, his connects went that far up. Yeah, there's a Murray, <laughs> a Murray Archbishop Murray. Huh. Yeah, I love this shit here. This is Winston's big scene. Yeah, <coughs> I'm uh, Winston Zedmo, your honor. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to be. I have scenes. Yeah, no, 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 no. I got. I want to be the company of few. I tell you, these things are real. Since I've been with these men, I have seen shit that turned you white. Now imagine Eddie Murphy saying some shit like that. <laughs> I would love to see that. Eddie scene. Murphy would have killed it. Oh yeah, I'm Winston Zedmo, your honor. Eddie Murphy doing it. <laughs> Real Wrath of God type stuff. Cats and dogs living together. As great as this cast is, I think it would have been even better to add it, Eddie. Dude, well, they would have had to rewrite it and they would have had to bring him in earlier. Yeah, exactly. Which, 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 which is actually exactly what Winston what they was wanted. Yeah, with Winston, yeah. That was the original intention for Winston. Dude, it would have been so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, all these dudes together. Oh my God, bro. Fire. I'd love to see that. I love to see it. Like, convince them, like, yeah, like, hey, if we're wrong, nothing happens. But we're going to right, jail. But quietly, yeah. Happily. Yeah, yeah, but if you're right, we can't solve this thing. Lenny, you will save, save the, the lives of million, millions of registered, registered voters. And <laughs> the bishops or the cardinals, like, yep, you got him. Yeah. <laughs> you're not seriously believing this man. But yeah, like, the options are them or you. You ain't doing nothing to help. Get him out of here. Bye. See ya, Pecker. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I fix you, Batman. I'm gonna fix you. I'm gonna miss him. Yeah. We got work to do. What do you need? Yeah, what do you need from me? 
the National Guard. <laughs> Which is great. But it, it definitely gives to like the, the ambiance, the gravitas of the situation. Because well, but you know, see, this is this is the thing though, because with with Ramus in there, right? It harkens back to that National Lampoon thing, and again, the Dan Aykroyd and everything. For some reason, mm-hmm. there is a fascination with a lot of these movies dragging the National Guard in. You've got it in. You've got it in Animal oh, yeah. House. Oh, you've yeah, got right. it in Blues Brothers. I'm like, yeah. it's just the thing they love. Making it a epic. gigantic yeah, making, spectacle. Yeah, making it epic. Yeah. Yeah. The bigger, get, the better. And the Ghostbusters are being led by the police and the National Guard as the clouds gather. Mm-hmm. And a great mat here. And then apparently we're taking somebody out for some And now all these people are, you know, gathering in front of the, the hotel. Because the number one thing you want to do in an emergency is go close. Oh yeah, this dude right center. here, this one extra right here is like so this red haired dude with the green suit. <laughs> you see him a couple, you see him a couple more times. Yeah. Because he somehow magically gets over there too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're gonna be an extra, you're an extra for the day. You literally, you know, like this is my moment. I bet, I'm pretty sure that guy. Dude, gets, I've been an you've been an extra. I've been an extra. You I know, know how it goes. Yeah, I know. But in today's side, I'm pretty sure that dude has his own fan club just because he was that extra ass extra in Ghostbusters. Probably. Mm-hmm. I love. I, this I was an extra in America's Next Top Model. <laughs> that explains a lot. Dude, they put me. I sat right next to. Is it Miss J? Ugh. I think that's I think that's what it was. I ended up sitting right next to, to him on a carpet. Uh, next to her or him, whatever, her, yeah, I guess, on the carpet, whatever. as all the models would stop and do that little thing right there. Whatever. And it's because when I went. Look, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. So I You're right. Purple remember. tie and everything. All right. Yeah, with the gray suit. Yeah. Yep. The most extra, extra. <laughs> Dude, that should be his name. The extra, extra. 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 The extra, extra. There's That's always, how I'd brand myself. No, well, no, there's always one in each movie that the extra, extra. You see him a bunch of times and they're doing some off the wall type shit. But that this, yeah, we have some fun now. We had the saving the day scene, but now they're in front of it and this is when shit is. Like, oh, maybe that was nah, a good idea. Shit, nah, maybe nah, jail was better. Now nah, shit finna get real. Mm-hmm. I love the score. Of, like, yeah. Great, mm-hmm. this great shot, the close, the close up shot. Oh my god! Oh yeah, dude. Well, this is that. This is this is where the filmmaker gets to show off their chops. Yeah, Listen, I think we're gonna have to put in some overtime in on this one. Yes, you are. And fucking Earth, fucking opens little up. Earthquake. Little earthquake there. Right. Little little early freaking yeah. Universal's freaking uh, oh, earthquake yeah, the- effects. You know that you know earthquake that one movie from the seventies about yeah that's the exactly what I'm saying it's like that universal earthquake effect yeah from the you know you know, I see that, they even have the cop but yeah it's from, but it's from that movie in the seventies you know about the earthquake yeah yeah called earthquake right that's the one yeah you see you see this right now see see how the, how the earth is quaking yeah it's an earthquake yeah <laughs> I will never forgive you for that that was the funniest shit ever what's that movie about the earthquake in seventies earthquake. <laughs> Go hey, back, go back to our Superman show. And feel look up feel, for the feel free to talk about Earthquake yeah. to me because I can always talk about Mandy more to you. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Everybody got something on somebody. Son of a bitch. I got, I got a couple things yeah. on you. But yeah, this is yeah, this right here. This is what got the name, uh, the name of the movie here. Like freaking, because like initially the n- name of the movie was like Ghost Mashers. Yeah. And but they started shooting, and then they they this scene here. Ghostbusters, 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 Ghostbusters. This is what got on the name. Yeah. Because there was another oh yeah, another thing we didn't mention. There was another Ghostbusters before this, which was actually a filmation cartoon. It wasn't really about shit. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. It had, it had like Larry Storch and it had like a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> really stupid. <laughs> and funny bad. enough, that ghost symbol is very similar to the Ghostbusters thing that we have here. Wait, I gotta say, this is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Yeah, with a, <laughs> <laughs> when they look up the stairs, they're like, okay, tell me we get to the 13th floor so I can throw up. Yeah, it looks like we're in the uh, teens somewhere. <laughs> or 20 or whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah, but it's just... That just makes me feel ill looking. <laughs> exactly, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, the name Ghostbusters was initially owned by Universal because because of, of the cartoon and shit. Now other options were Ghost Stoppers, Ghost Breakers, and Ghost Smashers. Now Frank Price initially was with Columbia when they greenlit this movie. He eventually left and became the head of Universal. And when he when he became the head of Universal, he allowed Columbia to use the title of Ghostbusters. That's nice of him. So yeah. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, thanks, Frank. <laughs> so great but yeah but uh and like, I think uh at one point like there was like considering changing the other name so they did it with the Ghostbusters thing like the, the scene there we see all the extras Ghostbusters Ghostbusters Ivan Reitman or somebody held up a phone when the extras were doing that shit like get that goddamn name <laughs> get the name bro there you go floor 22 <laughs> or deco nice <laughs> talk about, about the decor <laughs> oh man this is this is really when the special effects shine this is all on the Columbia stage this whole sequence here like well particularly the uh, rooftop yeah well I mean they gotta do sound stage for that yeah, it'd be too man. dangerous to do practicals oh my god and you plus see, it'd be expensive hell yeah and the, yeah you see the making of it like it's so it's such a huge set apparently they used up like every light on the on the lot at that time man yeah so Great, another great match shot of them in the apartment. Uh, as you know, shit goes down. <laughs> it, <laughs> now we're going upstairs. More stairs. We, where the stairs uh-huh. go? They go up. <laughs> I love how you, I love how you leader, but then all of a sudden the lightning hit and comes a coward again. All right, y'all go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead me first. Yeah, go ahead. Let's man. See what happens to you. <laughs> And now we get our little power transference here to yeah. open the. Dun, 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 dun. This score really comes in heavy here, man. Now they're going to turn into dogs. Well, now eventually they got to open the portal first. And then, then they're going to turn into, into dogs. dogs. Yeah. So I said, now they're going to turn into dogs. Yeah. The portal's open. You're putting the cart before the horse or whatever. Dude, the, the portal's opening. Then they're going to turn into dogs. They're in the middle of opening. You just, but you said turn into dogs first. I said, then they're going to turn into dogs. You said they turn into dogs first. I know what you said. Go back and listen to it. Whatever, man. People know what I was saying. Well, anyway, they're turning into dogs now. You're just mad, you're just mad about Mandy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I really am. Look, you see the skeletons? Like, yeah. yeah. No, they did a great job. <sighs> yeah. Now they're turning into dogs. Stop motion. Very much stop motion. And Vane was like, oh my God, my girl. Yeah, <laughs> look. All right. So, she a dog. And, and you can tell the difference between the two dogs. The uh, the male has the longer horns. Yeah. So. Yeah, but this, look at this. Sex joke. Longer horns. Look at this. This is so cool. Stares yeah. into a, like a goddamn another dimension, bro. Got that dry ice going. Yeah, dry ice. And look, a pyramid in the middle of just whatever. And then Michael Jackson shows up. Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere between Michael Jackson and David Bowie. More. Actually, more David Bowie. Probably more. David everybody liked the look of David Bowie. But yeah, now we got our first glimpse of the main villain of the movie, Gozer. Now the name Gozer, Dan Aykroyd actually got from a documented haunting in London. 
apparently the name Gozo was actually written on the walls of a house or whatever, like in blood and shit. Mm. That's where he got the name. Now, in terms of what the Gozo was originally supposed to be, the first person actually to play Gozo was supposed to be fucking Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, it it, it would have been, been Gozer in the form of uh, Evo Shandor. Okay. They, they, talk, they talked about Evo Shandor, the architect of the building or whatever. So, Evo Shandor would have been possessed by Gozer in the form of Pee Wee Herman. That was the original choice. But then they went with this other chick here. Uh, I think I think it's like a Slovatsa Jovan, I believe is her name. She's like a, uh, hunk, a, a Slovakian model. This this exchange right here is one of my favorites oh, yeah. of all time. She has some Good evening. God. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I offer you to cease all supernatural activity and turn forthward to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That I'll do. Thanks a lot, Ray. Are you a god? Yeah, are you a god? No. no. And die. die. Yeah, she's yeah, she's uh, actually Yugoslavian, <laughs> the actress. Yeah, but the follow-on, the follow-on here from. Yeah, Slavitsa. Yeah. Slavit, Ray, yeah. when everyone asks you if you're a god, yeah, you, you say, say yes. yes. Slavitsa Javon is her name, and yeah, they changed it to make they changed the look of the character to make it look like Grace Jones and David Bowie. Yeah. So yeah. I guess part of why I always go to Michael Jackson, like I said, is because of that ridiculous ride they had at, at Disneyland. Disneyland. Yeah, and actually, funny enough, the ghost, uh, the voice of uh, Ghost, excuse me, was actually uh, Patty Edwards. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, with a lot of. And funny enough, I didn't, I didn't know what the fuck it. Patty Edwards was until she did an episode of fucking Star Trek of Next Generation. Hmm. Uh, I, I forgot what it was, but like it was her and like some shape shifting kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, proton packs on. Heat them up. Smoking. <laughs> uh, make them hard. Ready to show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. So apparently the whole this chick is toast thing that was actually a Bill Murray improv. Dude, that those those contacts she's wearing must just kill. Yeah. Uh, it's like they're full eyeball contacts. Yeah, that's back in the day where they did the full on sclerol contacts. They did them in Thriller too, you know, with Michael well, Jackson. They've, they've done they've done similar ones yeah. for like some zombie fit flicks and other things they're doing recently. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, like from what I've heard, because they cover your whole eye, not just the the you know the iris or whatever the yeah. iris. Yeah. Like it's just absolute murder to wear all day. Yeah, they say they had to, uh, you have to take them out like every fifteen minutes. See, Michael Jackson said that you got to take them out every fifteen minutes, and they, then they put in the solution. It's yeah. like Tabasco sauce to kind of keep your eyes like from getting irritated and shit. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, man. No time. Yeah, but I celebrate. But they like, think uh, they got her. But... Ray, this looks extraordinarily bad. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Yeah, that, oh, some more, yeah. some more impending doom. It ain't over yet. So apparently, the rooftop set was actually uh, uh, encompassed of an entire soundstage. And it required 50,000 amps of electricity to be properly lit. Apparently, Columbia actually had to shut down other stages just to shoot the scene. Well, yeah, I mean, Sony, where, where it's it's what used to be Columbia, it's not that big of a joint anyway. Yeah. It's one of the smaller studios. Yeah. We all like this shit here, like uh, the, vo- the disembodied voice coming from the heavens. Mm-hmm. Rocks yeah. falling. And the, bro- the one brother slipping and sliding. <laughs> Some creatures, ghouls of the Gozierian goes of the Destructor. Bulgacindua, the Traveler, has come. Choose and perish. Apparently, Bill Murray got on the chick for saying that shit. Like, uh, cause like they, the Slovak, uh, Slovakian chick was saying on set, on set or whatever. 
and, and she kept saying it like Jews and berries. There's no Jews and berries here. <laughs> so Bill Murray kept fucking with her. <laughs> Stop with the Jews and berries. <laughs> okay, now we get a big introduction. Literally a big introduction. Uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, who also, like the no-go symbol, was uh, initially concepted, uh, drawn by the Viking, yep. whoever this guy is. Uh, and they basically envisioned a mix between the Michelin Man and the Pillsbury Doughboy with a I sailor love, hat. I love, I love Ray. Yeah, Ray here. He's slowly backing up. What yeah. did you do, Ray? Yeah, I was like, yeah. Did you, yeah, because we had to think about, you know, whatever the form of the destructor is. And, like, you're supposed to clear your heads and then automatically he just thinks of some shit that he <laughs> Something from my childhood. Something couldn't possibly Mr. hurt us. Mr. Stapuff. <laughs> I, um, I love how he shows up and he's like, he sounds like a damn T-Rex. He's yeah. just roaring. No, actually funny enough that you say that, uh, the character was initially supposed to come out the water like Godzilla. <laughs> right now, how he shows up and he sounds, because he roars, mm. remember? It's, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be coming out like, it's supposed to come out next to the Statue of Liberty. Funny. Mm. What it's, should they do for yeah. the next one? It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dope. This is so silly, but so fucking dope. But John, like, oh, no, a hundred so foot dope. marshmallow man. I love. <laughs> but I love. I love how. I love how Dan Aykroyd delivers the news. Her was like, "It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man." <laughs> <laughs> like, like we all know who it is. Like, yeah. All right. So apparently, the dude actually in the suit was a dude named Bill Bryan, and he modeled his walk after, of course, Godzilla. <laughs> so apparently there were 18 suits each one costing between 25 and 30 thousand dollars 17 of them were actually worn by a dude named uh uh tommy caesar uh when it, especially when it's burning oh yeah yeah so the uh marshmallow that you see in the crowd like when it rains down at the end is shaving cream uh, but yeah and actually funny enough the shaving cream because of the fact they did it hours and hours on end actually irritated the skin of most of the cast members and everybody got well, rashes oh yeah shaving cream back then really yeah. sucked too yeah and everybody got rashes oh yeah that little spurt thing of the water coming out is actually sand huh well I mean it makes sense because sometimes you can't see water on film <laughs> 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 and actually if you see like original sketches of the staple of Marshmallow Man when they burn them here you're actually supposed to see a giant skeleton Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Like you know, it, you yeah, know what yeah. was hilarious so I love I loved his his land mother pus bucket. Yeah. <laughs> but this shit roast them. And I did four beans roasting them stay puff marshmallow man. <laughs> that's a great shot of fire coming from yeah. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Well oh. and anyone who's ever lit a marshmallow on fire knows that's accurate. Yes it is. I just had s'mores the other week. The other week, man, where are you having s'mores? They down. I'm just having my dog. Oh, you just made your own? Yeah. I love this in here. Like, uh, hey, man, this Staples in town. He's a sailor. He's in New York. We get this like, guy laid. We might have no trouble. <laughs> yeah. But now we got some. Got a little uh, uh, little bring back from the original part of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, what if we, we cross the streams? What if we cross the streams? Wait a minute. You said crossing the streams is bad. Yeah. We, you're going to endanger us. You're going to endanger our client. The nice girl that paid us in advance before she turned into a dog. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely a very slim, could work. very slim chance we'll survive. Look at this, so great. You got no choice, man. Is this or the end of the world? Look this plan. I'm excited <laughs> to be a part of it. Let's do it. And it actually, Winston here actually tells them how much they make a year. Eleven five. 
Shit. Which ain't shit. Which actually... In, even back then wasn't shit. Even now it's not shit because like... It, well, no, right now it's even less. Yeah, and adjusted for inflation, the yearly salary of a Ghostbuster is $27,000. I make more than that if I'm doing a dispatcher. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Classic scene with the music and everything working together. Special effects. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They combine the four streams into one big stream that apparently works. Apparently. Yeah. Boom. Everyone had. Boom. That's actually a great shot with, yes, the, with the marshmallow oh, blowing out. Yeah, his face blowing up. Yeah. You see, they didn't get the sky portal. I think this might be one of the first movies with the sky portal. Yeah, they, I think so. Because the sky portal has been done so many goddamn times. Yeah. Gotta have a sky portal, man. Avengers had a sky portal. Goddamn, what, uh... Evolution had a sky portal. A bunch of movies had sky portals. And the pecker just got the shaving cream. Yeah, a whole thing of shaving cream just on him. Now the, the clouds dissipate. And we're back to regular That's New York pretty. again. It's very pretty. Look at his matte paintings, bro. That's not bad. I mean, for a matte, it wasn't bad at all. And look at this. The whole set's in disarray now. Mm-hmm. You see burnt, the burnt carcasses of the terror dolls and the Ghostbusters. Uh, you see the bodies a little bit. But now you see them moving, covered in shaving cream. Mm-hmm. I love I love this shit here where like you see like Dan Ernie and uh, Harold completely covered in shit. <laughs> Bill Murray got, got a little spot. It comes specs. But that's how it always is for Bill. Yeah, he's just so damn cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, like oh, oh Spangler, oh you okay? Fell at the floor of a taxi cab. <laughs> and, yeah, Bill, yeah, Bill just got a little on his hair and in his shoulders. Look at that. So he's so he cool. Yeah. Always the cool one, man. Always. <laughs> That's his role, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay? Fine. I keep it Bill Murray. I keep it Bill Murray, bro. <laughs> Gotta keep it Bill Murray, bro. Dude, the uh, Sweatshop Union has a great album called Bill Murray. There's a whole song about how fucking badass Bill Murray is. <laughs> oh, look. Yeah, sees the, the carcass. Sounds like burnt dog hair. <laughs> yeah, sees the carcass of the terror dog girl. I'm like, oh, my girl. She's uh, gone. And even Dan's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was talking about your possibly dead girlfriend. But you see the little hand here picking out of the carcass. And oh my God, she's still alive. And now the Ghostbusters going to break down the carcass, charred carcass to get her out. Mm-hmm. So cool here. And yeah, the music, you know, swells up to a romantic theme. Mm-hmm. Ah. You know, I mean, for, for one of the big complaints you usually get with a lot of movies how like the love stories just tacked on mm-hmm. but they actually did a pretty decent job not just tacking it on this yeah. this had a lot more yeah. depth and character development to it yeah and then she, yeah dana's alive and she's saying so is lewis somebody turn on the lights <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lewis. hey go help that guy so yeah. i can make yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah go check out the little guy <laughs> oh man what happened And you know, and you see another reason why they kept the shit off of him because of fact, so they can have this little romantic thing where she's not covered yeah, in goddamn sure. shaving cream. Although that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Uh, hi. And she's like, "Oh, what's up?" <laughs> I love his reaction, Lewis. Man, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Who are you guys? We're the Ghostbusters. Yeah, that correct me. That little line means some shit, yeah. man. Look, who does your taxes? 
Hey, Mr. Tuller, you're a very fortunate individual. Like, I know. <laughs> you have been participating in the biggest interdimensional blast since the Combustor Blast of 1909. Sounds great. <laughs> but I can get a sample of your brain tissue. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Winston get his big moment. Yeah. I love this job. <laughs> 27 grand. <laughs> a year, yeah. But now the Ghostbusters are heroes. Mm-hmm. New York loving them. Good. And, and we a, got the hero moment who's for gonna call Murray. Ghostbusters. Directed by Ivan Reitman. Look at that shit. Thank you, Mr. Reitman. Thank you, Mr. Reitman, buddy. I can't wait to see what your son does. Me neither, man. Directed, uh, written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Starring mm-hmm. Bill Murray. Yeah. The Bill Murray. Yeah. I might as well just stop saying that. Man, it's the Bill Murray, dude. Come on. How about the Bill? The Bill. Just the Bill. Dan Aykroyd, the real genius of this movie, man. Just the real genius in general. Yes, sir. Sigourney Weaver. That's one person I've had. I've had a couple of like classmates and friends that have yeah. had the opportunity to meet him. Harold That's Ramis. the one I'm super jealous of. Yeah. I'd love to meet I that mean, guy. Me too, man. I love to meet Harold. Obviously, yeah. we'll never get to meet Harold. Harold Ramis, yo. May you rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Rick Moranis. Again, whoever punched Rick Moranis, fuck you. Seriously. <sighs> Motherfucker. <laughs> like, oh, hey, I want to ride with them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you got to go with the Red Andy Cross. Potts and William Atherton. <laughs> This is good product placement for the Red Cross. <laughs> it's a very good product placement. And Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, man. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. And the New York loving them, man. I love this oh, shit. Yeah. Like all the fucking, even the lower level people, the civic people, like the dude here, the doorman, help yeah. them out. All the police and the fucking secret service agents, like, yeah, priests blessing them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, yeah, epic. Epic, bro. Look at this. Film edited by Sheldon Kahn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With uh, David uh, Blewitt, whatever. And everybody's just loving it. Yeah, Bernie Brillstein, who was actually, Bernie. Who was actually uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd's agent. Dude, and he's, he's got one of the biggest management firms out there. Yeah, but he, like, pretty much like when SNL first started, he was like everybody's manager. He was, yep. he was Lauren's manager, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Gilda Radner's, Bill Murray's. He's everybody's manager. Uh, great Elmer Bernstein, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, written and performed by Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> he was jamming to some Ray dun, dun, Parker dun, Jr. Yes, I was. I actually, we get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting, uh, like, yeah, we got a last shot of the Ghostbusters as they walk up. But we got one more scare for the end of the movie because mm-hmm. the ghost is still out there. Oh yeah, and here goes Slimer. Here comes Slimer. All right, and that's pretty much the end of the movie, guys. That's it. Yeah. Now we're gonna get to a little bit more of uh, some more factoids about Ghostbusters. Now the music, which we mentioned, was composed by Elmer Bernstein, and he had like a seventy-two person uh, orchestra in Hollywood. Uh, and the an actual uh, music itself was composed at the Village in West Hollywood. Uh, and uh, Elmer Bernstein had previously worked with Ivan Reitman on movies like Animal House and and uh, Meatballs. You know the whole. You know, putting dramatic score on comedies things that was invented by Elmer. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then every like damn near every one of the early eighties, you know, got somebody like that to put an epic score in a comedy. Uh, and as far as like the music uh, that they used, uh, apparently he used a uh, monta note, which is basically like a theremin. Do you the? Oh yeah, that shit. And like, and like I said, a lot of actually a lot of the score that a lot of people don't realize was actually taken out of the movie and would have sounded a lot like Stripes. Mm. Like I mentioned, like the original theme, of the, the, the whole little piano theme 
is original is one of the themes of the Ghostbusters. That's kind of like when they're not doing Ghostbusters shit. Now, when they're in action, they have another theme, which I mentioned earlier. It's like that would have been yeah, that would have been the action theme. The rest of the stuff that you hear in the movie and like and all the different scenes that was all meant to be there and it all worked wonderfully. So he actually aimed at making the the score. Awesome and mystical hmm. in terms of like the most of the score, but the theme, the theme of the Ghostbusters was meant to be cute without being like really way out. Yeah, that now, makes sense. as far as the Ghostbusters song, which we mentioned earlier, um, Lindsey Buckingham was initially offered a chance to write the theme song for Ghostbusters because they already did a you know holiday role for National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, uh, apparently, he did, uh, apparently he declined because he didn't want to get into a rut of being asked to write movie themes. Yeah, I mean, you just missed out on a good payday. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, in terms of the actual song itself, Ghostbusters. Now, um, initially, a temporary, funny enough, a temporary placeholder for the song uh, that eventually become Ghostbusters was "I Want a New Drug" by Huey Lewis and the, the News. And like, when they did the initial edit of the movie, that was in the montage. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, we want a song like this. Yeah, and they're like, okay, so we got a song like that. Uh, they uh, went to Ray Parker Jr. Who developed uh, Ghostbusters to have a similar riff to "I Want a New Drug," uh, and also uh, he, uh, Rob, Ray Parker Jr. basically created the song in two days. Uh, he's like at four a.m. He's like watching a drain commercial, uh, and he, like a drain company commercial, and it reminded him of a scene in the movie. And that commercial helped him come up with the line, "Who are you gonna call?" So. And now the the actual uh, chorus of uh, people singing Ghostbusters in the song is actually Ray Parker Jr.'s girlfriend and her friends. There you go. And apparently, he's the only people he could get at such short notice. I mean, that happens a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. You just pull whoever's nearby. Yeah, and then like uh, like I said, uh, Elmer Bernstein was initially upset because certain parts of his score was taken out in place of you know popular music. So you know the whole thing with magic. And, uh, you know, saving the day, yeah, all that shit. He didn't like, yeah, he didn't like that, but it was what it was, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And I like those songs, like, especially, like, because I, I was looked at the list of people on that soundtrack. Aside from Ray Parker Jr., nobody else has really done, oh, that and the Pet Shop Boys. They do that, you know, Ghostbusters and Clean oh, yeah, Up yeah, the yeah, Town. Yeah. No, no, those are the only two that actually have done anything. Hmm. Pet Shop Boys and Ray Parker Jr., everybody else, this, these are the only songs I know. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> so. One and done. Now, the actual music video for Ghostbusters was directed by Ivan Reitman and actually featured a bunch of celebrities who weren't in the movie at all, like uh, Chevy Chase, Irene Cara, John Candy is in the music video for Ghostbusters, Melissa Gilbert, Jeffrey Tambor, George <laughs> Wendt, Al Franken, Danny DeVito, Carly Simon, Peter Falk, and Terry Garr. And it, basically, the whole thing is... Is like <laughs> they just called like everyone they've ever met in improv. The va- basically the vast majority of the video is like some chick goes into a, like a haunted house that looks like the firehouse of the Ghostbusters, and it's like all neoned out, and she gets like uh, stalked throughout the whole video by this ghost played by Ray Parker Jr. who's like doing Ghostbusters. If you step strange in the neighborhood, and then while that's happening, they show you know concurrently they show clips of the movie. And then throughout the whole thing, you see celebrities just screaming "Ghostbusters" to the screen, <laughs> and the and the video actually ends with Ray Parker Jr. and the Ghostbusters in Times Square doing a little dance like uh, together. So ridiculous! <laughs> but funny enough, as cheap as as cheap as that shit is, 
It was one it of works. the it, it worked. It was one of the top music videos at the time of its release on MTV. <laughs> so it was huge. Of course, like because we mentioned Huey Lewis, he sued Ray Parker Jr. for plagiarism because of the fact they borrowed the melody, mainly the bass line of I Want a New Drug. The case was actually settled out of court in eighty five for an undisclosed sum and there was a confidentiality agreement that permitted uh discussing the case. According to Ray Parker Jr., there were several lawsuits at the time because like when you sell that many records, uh, I think everybody wants to say that they wrote the song. Yeah, everybody wants to get paid. Yeah. So Ray Parker Jr. later sued Huey Lewis for breaching the confidentiality contract because uh, apparently they did a 2001 episode of Behind the Music where he did uh, discuss it. He asserted that Ray Parker Jr. stole the song. And <laughs> and basically Ray Parker Jr. said, like, thank you, Huey Lewis, because I got a lot of money out of that. <laughs> Now, as far as the box office and the awards that Ghostbusters got. Now, Ghostbusters actually premiered June 7th, 1984 at the Avco Theater in Westwood. Okay. Uh, and actually, there's an old E.T. Uh, thing of them at the premiere of Ghostbusters. You see, like, Beverly D'Angelo, Sylvester Stallone went to the premiere, Richard Pryor went to the premiere. Uh, of course, you see Moranis and all the other people and shit. But, like, it's amazing the celebrities that showed up to go see Ghostbusters. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean... Dude, with the cast that it had, especially in 1984. Yeah, yeah. So it was great, man. It was like the event. Yeah, it was so cool to see. So they got a wide release in, uh, on June 8th, 18, uh, 1984 for 1,000 theaters. During the opening weekend, it earned $13 million. It finished as the number one movie of that weekend, just ahead of Gremlins, which was released the exact same weekend. Uh, Ghostbusters made $13 million. Gremlins made $12 million. And like we mentioned earlier in the Gremlins podcast... Uh, Gremlins did better in New York than Ghostbusters did because of the fact that New Yorkers were still pissed at the Ghostbusters crew for <laughs> for tying up so much traffic because of filming Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. New Yorkers can hold a grudge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, apparently, oh, yeah, all of them, um, actually, three movies came out that same weekend. Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom all came out the same weekend. Massive, massive year for film. Jesus Christ. And then, uh, then, uh, as uh, of course, as the thing went on, the gross increased um, to like uh, you know twenty three million and going on and so forth. Uh, biggest hit for the uh, for Columbia since uh, Tootsie, which also had Bill Murray in it. Yep. Uh, it sto- it broke the studio's record for at the time set by Tootsie again. Uh, the movie remained number one for seven consecutive weeks, grossing one hundred forty six million dollars before it was actually ousted. The movie that beat it, Purple Rain. Prince. <laughs> yeah, but it was actually became the second highest grossing film of the year behind Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. But then that, that also has been readjusted for inflation uh, because of the fact the actual top grossing movie of 1985 was Eddie Murphy's Beverly Hills Cop. Like I said, a great time for film. Yeah, yeah. And actually, funny enough, uh, there's another little <laughs> there's another little period where he actually regained. Uh, the number one spot after Purple Rain beat it, uh, then went back to number two again after uh, Red Dawn came out, and then the other movie Tightrope, uh, which is a thriller I don't remember seeing. I never that. saw Tightrope. Yeah, yeah, and then it became the number one movie again in mid September and remained like one of the top three grossing movies of the year for like sixteen weeks straight. It, it had a gradual decline, but it fell from the list of the top grossing movies in late October. It left theaters altogether in January for about thirty weeks. Uh, it had become a hit, of course, surpassing Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It was the highest grossing movie of that summer. And then, by the time it left theaters, it grossed $229 million, making it the second highest grossing movie of 84, 
behind, of course, Beverly Hills Cop, which made uh, two hundred thirty-four million. Hmm. Uh, which was actually funny enough, and like considering the time frame, because Beverly Hills Cop was actually released in December hmm. and became the highest-grossing movie of '84. That's how much money that movie made. That's a ton of money in that short amount of time, dude. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the box office gross of this movie initially made it the highest grossing comedy of all time, replacing Animal House, which actually, and actually Ghostbusters held the title of the highest grossing comedy of all time until six months later when it was replaced by Beverly Hills Cop. Jeez. Yeah. Ain't that something? It's insane. And then they re-released it again in 85, which earned a further $9 million. (laughs) And then actually, because of that, it surpassed Beverly Hills Cop as the most successful comedy of the 80s. Uh, it was actually the highest grossing comedy of all time until Home Alone came out in 1990. Uh, this is actually the highest grossing Columbia Pictures movie of all time when adjusted for inflation. Uh, it was nominated for two Academy Awards. Number one for Best Original Song with uh, Ghostbusters, Ray Parker Jr., who actually performed it at the Oscars, but he lost to Stephen Warner's I Just Called to Say I Love You. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects, which lost to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I think he should have won. Nah, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom didn't have anywhere near as good as special effects. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think. I mean, what Kalima? No, Kalima. I, I think really the main special effect really that was like the shit with the minecart chasing like some of the water and all that but shit. There wasn't but, even that much special effects. That was more stunt. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, like Ghostbusters should have won best special effects. I mean, it was like, it was the only effects that are really in that movie mm-hmm. are basically in camera, and then like I said, some of the Kalima stuff. Yeah. With like, you know, the guy who's going to rip your heart out or whatever. Kalima. <laughs> Kalima. <laughs> Kalima. Shakti. <laughs> I don't know what they're like, Even like, whenever anybody I see like online, like especially like black folks, like whenever they talk about Indiana Jones, that's the first thing they come out their mouth. Kalima. It's a memorable scene. It is. Uh, so, Ghostbusters actually won the BAFTA Award for Best Original Song, and it won Best Fantasy Film at the 12th Annual Saturn Awards. Uh, now, as far as the legacy of the movie goes, of course, it was originally intended for an adult audience, but they were surprised that kids loved the movie because it was a fun fantasy adventure by scientists fighting ghosts with cool weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it uh, immediately got a cartoon spinoff, The Real Ghostbusters, in 1986 that aired on ABC. Speaking of which, on a personal note, I was a huge fan of that oh, cartoon. Yeah. Uh, I had the sheets. If you look at old pictures of me, I had the sheets. I had the uh, uh, bedspread. I had the freaking uh, curtains. And also, uh, so far, as much a fan as I was, I actually had the Slimer toothpaste. <laughs> it was I remember that. It, it was green. It was colored green. And like it just it tastes like regular toothpaste, but it was just colored green. That's yeah. all it was. Well, it's, this is the food color. Yes, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, I wanted the toys. My folks would never give me the toys for some fucking reason. I wanted, to, and I wanted the. You protect- wanted the you wanted the Ghostbusters firehouse, right? Of course I did. Dude, yeah. I was all about that. Yeah, I never I, got it either. Yeah, I wanted that shit too, and I wanted the dad a, a kids uh, proton pack. I wanted that shit. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, they had the, the one and shit. I wanted that shit. I think you got me beat on this one as a super fan, though. Yeah, you man. You definitely had more. Oh, my God. That was my cartoon. I remember watching it on ABC Saturday mornings religiously, bro. And then the thing, the difference between the cartoon and the movie is that the cartoon, they redesigned the Ghostbusters. They gave, like, uh, they gave Ray, like, red hair and made him kind of chubbier. Uh, they, they made Bankman, like, more refined and handsome. Like, made him a little bit taller. 
Egon got blonde hair for some reason, and uh, Winston was pretty much the same, except they didn't give him a mustache. Uh, and then also another thing that was crazy was they gave him like different colored outfits. Yeah. Yeah, it's because they had uh, the uh, instead of like the monotone like gray that they were all wear together. Well, it's because they were trying to make it a little more attractive to kids. I mean, obviously yeah. with that cartoon, it's, this mm-hmm. was well before like adult animation. Mm-hmm. So everything was all about let's get the you know five to twelve year olds. There's actually a great episode in the first season where they actually uh, go to L.A. to serve as consultants on a movie being made of them. It happens to be this movie, and then at the end of the episode, you watch, you see them watching Ghostbusters, <laughs> like the actual, the actual, you see the actual shit, or whatever. And then the first scene they see is the Bill Murray like shocker scene, and uh, the Vankman in the cartoon is like, "Guy looks nothing like me." <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I, and then even like uh, even um, because uh, fucking since we had an Eddie Murphy connection, Winston on the cartoon was voiced by Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, they actually mentioned that shit in the movie. Like, uh, I don't know about the names of these stars. Who is this? Murray, Aykroyd, Ramus? Sounds like a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a great cartoon. Like, wow. Yeah, it, it was great stuff, man. Like, sure. But yeah, the whole cartoon was great. It furthered the mythology of the Ghostbusters. They had different kinds of ghosts. Gave the guys different backstories, etc. And Slimer, like I said, became... a pretty much a member of the cast. Yeah, it became, it became a mascot by the time yeah. we get to the second film. And actually, in the cartoon, is it's initiated that uh, Bill, I mean, uh, Bankman does not like uh, Slimer because of the fact the whole incident at the hotel. Right, where he got Slime. Exactly. He hates Stan. Uh, <laughs> he cannot stand Slimer. Uh, and then, actually, they have a whole episode dedicated to how Slimer became part of the Ghostbusters. So, the episode takes place right after this movie. Hmm. At the end of the movie, they the, they go back to the firehouse. The firehouse is destroyed because of the you know the whole thing with Gozer, and they're coming back covered in marshmallow. Uh, so they decide to rebuild um, the containment unit, make it bigger, get new uniforms, and they order Vankman to burn the old uniforms. But Vankman, being Vankman, forgets, mm-hmm. and uh, because of some leak in the containment unit, the energy seeps into the suits. And they become ghost versions of the Ghostbusters. Hmm. And they have to fight them at the end of the episode. It's pretty cool. And it's in that moment that they become, that go, um, Slimer actually helps them with the ghost Ghostbusters and becomes their mascot. Um, yeah, so that's Slimer. And then, of course, eventually Slimer started taking over the show more and more and more to the point yeah. where, like, the last couple seasons, or the last seasons were called Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. Yeah. He took over. He got his own segment on the show and everything. Well, yeah, it's because the kids like Slimer. Yeah, and then right after that, the sequel, Ghostbusters 2, came out in 89, uh, which played on a lot of the cartoon elements. They added a lot of stuff in the cartoon in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you can see it when we, when we watch it. You want to do that one next? I'm up for whatever, man. We can do Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2. We Franchise don't done. Full, yeah, Ghostbusters 2, next next movie. At least Tyler Ratman comes out. We're not touching the goddamn six, 2016 one. Just so you know, we're not touching it. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, and, and this, this is not a uh, uh, we're against female-led movies thing. No, it, it's just a trash movie. Yeah, I mean, look, dude. I mean, if you want, if you want to do bridesmaids, I'll do bridesmaids. Yeah, well, that's like, a solid like that, that's that's really my main complaint with the movie. It's not that it's, it's just a bad movie. It's just a bad movie. Look, like, here's it's, it's a uh, just as a quick little like tangent off to the side. Yeah, a lot of movies made in the last probably I'd say five years. Mm-hmm. 
they, they're too full of themselves. They're too into whatever kind of weird ideology, this, that, or the other. They don't give a shit about story. Yeah. It's about we got to plug this in or that in. And so the story gets lost. There's nothing there. There's no point. And then even worse, especially with the remake central that we've been in for the last five years, yeah. they're taking properties that they know have a following and rather than doing something fresh and original, they're just doing lazy remakes. And that's what it bothers me about. It's like, it's just, it's a lazy remake. And they're like, hey, why don't we give it some weird little twist and then that'll get people going for it. It's like, no, yeah, if you're going to continue the franchise, yeah. like I think the Jurassic franchise is probably a way better version, right? Something to look yeah, at. Like, Jurassic there's, World, yeah. There's fresh stuff going on with like Chris Pratt's character coming in where it's like somehow training raptors, even though it's fucking weird and probably never work. Exactly. At least there's something to it, and they're kind of sticking to the core of it. And I, I, I'll give that one credit, but like this other stuff was like, we're just gonna come in and jam it in your face. Basically. It's like, what's the point? Like, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch it either. Yeah. Now, uh, Ghostbusters is actually credited as inventing the special effects-driven comedy. Now, the basic premise of uh, the genre is basically mixing comedy and a team of uh, different individuals combating an otherworldly threat. Uh, it's basically been replicated several times. Good examples: the Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. I remember the advertising for the Monster Squad even said that, like, we know who to call when you're dealing with ghosts, and who do you call when you deal with monsters? The Monster Squad. Eh. That's what that was the advertising for. I know. I'm still uh, eh. Which we uh, another one we mentioned earlier, Men in Black, which is like I said, Ghostbusters dresses the Blues Brothers. Evolution, uh, another Ivan Reitman movie, uh, yeah. by the way, which which is weird. It's like aliens and weird shit like that. Uh, the Watch with Ben Stiller. I remember that briefly. Oh, uh, that was the one I was trying to think of before. The, the Watch, the, yeah. The end of the world thing. Yeah, the yeah, watch. It was like, yeah, I was like, eh. The Watch. Uh, uh, R.I.P.D., uh, which was Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges, if I remember. That was a bad movie. Did not do well. And Pixels. This was a blatant ripoff of fucking Ghostbusters. Pixels with Adam Sandler and Kevin James. I don't even know anything about it. And I think Josh Gad. And yeah, but yeah, they had... Actually, at one point, they had like guns... It's like basically the whole get down is like giant. Uh, the video games from my past are coming back as giant monsters and taking over the world. They go up against a pack, giant Pac Man, a giant Donkey Kong, and the only way to beat it is we're using like these uh, video game like uh, guns going what, against the monsters. What was that Will Smith one where his like partners like some sort of a weird monster thing and they're cops and oh, uh, bright. Yeah, written by same, yeah, same kind of a thing. Written by Max Landis, John Landis's son. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah. All right, so uh, as far as some of the other things with the legacy, uh, the line, dogs and cats living together, master stereo, was actually re- voted number 60 on the 100 greatest movie lines in Premier Magazine. Mm-hmm. Also on that same list, where that's something you don't see every day, it was voted number 19 mm-hmm. on the same list. On the 30th anniversary of the movie, uh, the, the Hollywood Reporter actually voted Ghostbusters as the 77th best film of all time. Uh, Empire Magazine voted it, it uh, in, on this uh, list of 100 greatest movies at number 68. Rolling Stone voted uh, Ghostbusters as the ninth greatest movie of the 80s. And like I said, Ghostbusters has been consistently on a, yeah, on a bunch of different like best of the 80s or best films ever uh, brackets, including it was number two on Film.com, number five on Time Out, number six on the short list, uh, number five for Complex Magazine, and number 31 for Empire Magazine. And also on several uh, outlets of best comedy films of all time, period, lists. It was number one for Entertainment Weekly, number four for IGN, number 10 for Empire, 
Number 25 for the Daily Telegraph. Number 45 for Rotten Tomatoes. And also, Rotten Tomatoes has also voted it the 71, number 71 of the 200 most essential films to watch of all time. Uh, 2001, uh, the AFI ranked Ghostbusters as 28 in the uh, 100 Years, 100 Laughs list, recognizing the best comedy movies ever made. And uh, in 2009, Ghostbusters was filmed, uh, uh, the National Review ranked Ghostbusters as number 10 on the best, uh, 25 best conservative movies of the last 25 years, noting the regulation-happy EPA guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess you could argue that. Sure, why not? And that is the private sector that saves the day. Technically, yeah. Yeah. And the most important honor here. Shout out to William F. Buckley. Yeah, most most important honor here. In 2015, the United States Library of Congress selected Ghostbusters for preservation in the National Film Registry. As it should be. Finding it culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Uh, Ivan Reitman himself said, It's an honor to know that this movie that begins with a ghost in a library will now have a spot in the shelves of the Library of Congress. Absolutely. Great honor for Ghostbusters. Great film. Great film, man. Like, definitely one of my favorite... Definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, just sh- just shy of my top ten because there's a couple movies that get uh, a little higher up than that that I rewatch more. But Ghostbusters, like freaking like every time I watch it, it's like the first time. I just love the whole story and just the whole concept. And of course, being a little kid, we used to play Ghostbusters. See, yeah. Before we go past that point, here's yeah. here's the problem. I think the problem is that you have a overall top ten. See, I I can't even do that. I, I can maybe get to a top 10 within genre. Mm-hmm. But even inside a genre, sometimes I end up subgenre, right? So I can start with comedy, but before long I have to be like screwball comedy, mm-hmm. satire, black comedy, um, and, and, and on and on and on until all the way down to like, you know, I don't even, what, what, what would we call this one? I guess supernatural comedy yeah. or horror comedy. Because it's yeah. kind of weird because it's, it's not exactly, I wouldn't put it next to Zombieland because it's a different kind of comedy. Yeah. But that's but see that's where I go because I I can't I mean I, how I can't make myself pick. Initially, I didn't have one either, but because I'm doing Bustleverse and all the other stuff, people would ask me that all the time. What are your top ten? What are your top five favorite movies of all time? And I actually had to think about it. And my criteria in terms of uh, the movie itself, uh, in terms of like uh, how I see it, is uh, rewatchability. How frequently I watch these movies. Yeah, I got those. Yeah, so that, that's that's kind of why I went with that. And the reason I watch them so much is because I love them. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, my my definitive top ten for you people out there. Number one, coming to uh, number one, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Number two, Coming to America. Number three, Die Hard. Number four, Blade. Number five, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number six, Conan the Barbarian. Number seven, Gremlins. Number eight. Yeah, hold on. I, I had the actual list. Number eight, I believe, is a. Oh yeah, First Blood. Number nine. See, if you're having to look it up, I don't know how much. No, I, no, no. I, I got most of the list. <laughs> I only got like two left. There's only two. But yeah, like I said, I actually came up with that definitive list one particular time because somebody kept asking me to do the shit. Uh, I mean, I get it if you're doing it for Belserverse, but I'm just saying in reality, I, I can't do that. Don't worry about that, folks. It's just some dogs. Well, they're they're just making sure nobody's at the uh, door who shouldn't be. Whatever, like yeah, they're, they're so defensive and so protective. Of oh, the I property. mean, you've never seen anything scarier than a French bulldog. <laughs> a French bulldog, a, a protective French bulldog, man. He'll come at you, man. He'll really nip at those ankles. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll 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 definitely you know lick and hump you. <laughs>
what he's all about. You know, in other circumstances, I would appreciate that, but you know, <laughs> just because yeah. it's the podcast, right. is that yeah. the circumstance? Basically, yeah. All right, so back to the back to the list. The last two, I forgot. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Last two, uh, American World from London, and number ten, RoboCop. Man, you're just living in the '80s. Yeah, and I noticed that too when I said the shit. Like the only '90s movie I think is in the shit is a uh, Blade. Yeah. That's only the 90s movie. The rest of them are all 80s movies. You didn't even make it into the 2000s. How did Black Dynamite, how, how did Black Dynamite not make it? I said top friend, like just how like frequently I watch it. Like if I did a list Dude, of 2000s, maybe I, I, my Black Dynamite. I watch that movie all the time. It is Me one too. of the funniest fucking films I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I remember when it first came out, I watched it like incessantly. Like when I try to do comedy mm-hmm. overall, yeah. I, I, and that's the thing, I can't, even, I can't even list it in an order. Yeah. But it's like I end up with like... Um, Definitely, definitely gonna have Black Dynamite in there. I'm gonna mm-hmm. have because um, it's dark comedy, right? Uh-huh. We go with uh, Doctor Strange Love, uh-huh. or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Oh yeah, right? Fucking killer film. I, mm-hmm. I love The Hangover. I love obviously Coming to America, Trading Places. But that's the thing, like I can't order it around. You know what I mean? Like I think they're uh, just they're in there. I can list out ten, but I can't say that I like this one more than this one. I'll give a two. I'll give a two two thousands top ten list to try right now. Uh, number one, I know for a fact, Anchorman. That was my favorite comedy. That's, of the that's two, a great two, one. Yeah, because like that was actually the first movie I saw out of boot camp, and I laughed so fucking hard in that theater, man. Did you ever? Have you ever watched it with the commentary? Yes. Did you ever watch it with the um, uh, unrated commentary? Yes, dude. Yeah. That first thirty minutes <laughs> is one of the but, funniest commentaries yeah. I've ever heard in my whole life. Yeah, but yeah, Anchorman, and then like go down the list. Black Diamond is definitely on there. Top mm-hmm. five. Because I remember that when that movie came out, I was all about <laughs> it. It's so funny. Uh, that's this, one this, of the that's yeah. one of the few movies I bought yeah. on DVD yeah. at full price. I didn't wait for it to come down. I was like, mm-hmm. 20 bucks, I don't give a shit. I'm getting it. Yeah. Uh, more 2000s. Uh, John Wick would definitely be on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, wedding, or not Wedding Crash, but Hangover doesn't make it? No, not quite. I, just the first one. The other two, eh, but the yeah. first one I thought yeah, was Yeah, the first sad. one was hilarious. And actually one movie that he did that doesn't really get as much love, Due Date. Yeah, Due Date's not bad. With uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. That shit is great. I got that one. I own that one. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, Dread. 2012, Dread. I haven't seen that yet. Dude, watch it. Yeah. It's great, like freaking, like I said, like you, 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 constantly, you constantly talk about we, we should do this alone, Judge Red. Fuck that, watch Dread, the Carl Urban version. That shit is great. It's, right. it's what the Robocop rebate should have been. Okay, I'll put it like that. Yeah, because it actually also has kind of a diehard element too, because it's like it's in the high rise and shit, and it's like him trying to you know find a bad guy while you know that kind of shit. But like freaking dude, great movie, hmm. great movie, and freaking um. I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, hmm. Those were the main ones that come out of my head, man. That's fine. Yeah. Dr- uh, John Wick, Dread, freaking um, Anchorman, uh, freaking Black Dynamite. Did you like Borat? No. Oh, I love Borat. It, I, found it more, I found it more irritating. Than the, oh, Bor- Borat I thought was hilarious. I, I, I found it irritating. The only thing, I, the only part I found hilarious because of how gross he was is the fight between him and that dude in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the insurance convention and, and the whole thing naked. And, and the whole thing with Lou Neal. <laughs> that's the only that's the only shit about yeah, the movie I found. 
That was the only shit about the movie I found funny. The rest of it is whatever. Yeah, I, I dug that. And then uh, Talladega Nights was another solid one. That's another one I was looking for. Talladega Nights. MCD, Rick. man. I love Michael Clark Duncan in that. <laughs> Did uh, you put that evil on me? <laughs> you are not paralyzed. I am so paralyzed. <laughs> no, he's always crying. <laughs> oh, my God. No, John, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He always crying. No, John, John C. Riley. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, when, when, when you're watching TV... Uh, and you have the stereo on. How, uh, do you, how do you control the volume on the stereo? Why are you on the TV and the stereo on the same time? Because I like the, the party. party. <laughs> hey, man, you should come over. <laughs> why, why are we talking right now? You, you know I hate you. You <laughs> ruined my life. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. <laughs> come on. Come on, man. We were doing good for a minute. There. No, no, no. The ma- no, no, no. Shake and bake is dead. The magic man. Now you see me? Now you don't. That's the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. I don't think you think it's dumb at all. I think you're just mad because you think of it yourself. You're right, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's another great... That, Wait, that one, and El Diablo, which is like a the Mexican fight, fighting, the fighting, the fighting The fighting chicken or something like that. That's not what that means at all. <laughs> or it's just like an anchor, an anchor man when he's like, San Diego. Which, which of, of course, course in German means a whale's vagina. vagina. No, no, it doesn't. Duh, I yes, yes, it does. Duh, well, he, and, well, I remember in the theater when he punted that... When Jack Black punted that damn dog... <laughs> I was crying laughing. <laughs> I was like, I ain't laughing that hard in the movie theater. Like, my life. And then the subsequent shit afterwards, when he's in the phone booth, the man, he fucking... I was like, God, I was dying laughing. But then he's like, milk was a bad choice. Yes. He put him in his foot. Hey, kingdom. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. Dude. Like, where are you? I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that again. Actually. I haven't seen that in a while. We should do a watch off of Anchorman. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you can't even speak. You just cry, man. Die laughing. God. Oh shit. Mm, I look good. I mean, really. Hey guys, <laughs> come see how good I look. Mm, ribs. You have a massive erection. No, no, it's it's it's, it's the pattern of the pants. It's pleats. The pleats. The pleats. Yeah. <laughs> Very flattering to the cross. No, no, no. Let me know. I got. I like he's walking around like. Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> oh man. Just, uh, so just great round, So round eight, nine. Downstairs, Mr. Burgundy, you have a massive erection. Really, <laughs> I do. <laughs> or when they all were attempting to get it, old girl, and all all them lame as shit. Especially oh, what's his name, Champ Khan. Touching on the titty shit. You trying to touch my breast on you? Uh, what can I say? Like how you put together. I'm thinking you mean go out, you know, have some chicken, maybe some sex, you know, see what happens. <laughs> I love, I love the newscast fight. <laughs> the first one, the second one, the, the one in the second one was just. No, too I'm much. just, I'm not saying anything about Anchorman Two. There's a lot not to like about Anchorman yeah, Two, yeah, but yeah. Anchorman the original. Yeah, with all the different few like uh, dude, even yeah. Seth Rogen's cameo and it's great when he's <laughs> getting great stuff in his Corning Stone. He's the he's the camera op when they're doing the cat. Thing. Is he? Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> he's over there. He's got this watch- big dumb look on his face. He's all. I have to watch that again. Wow, I didn't even know. He's over there. I'm getting great stuff, Mrs. Corning Stone. <laughs> yeah, the Vince Vaughn team, and then the, so uh, Tim Robbins public access television team. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, what's the shit, does, uh, Luke Wilson and his team, <laughs> first place, yeah, you're gonna be in dead place. 
That escalated quickly. Yeah. Well, Brett killed Oh, no, 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 no. The last one. <laughs> Come on, stop, bitches. <laughs> ben Stiller is the fucking uh, Latino fucking... <laughs> the streets will run red. We're bugging these blood. <laughs> I don't even know if he could do that today. I think they go after oh, him. Man. I did. Oh, yeah. Before we do this, we have to go over the rules. Number one. No touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it. <laughs> Let's do this. We go. We go. We going too far in the anchor. <laughs> yeah, we've gone. We we definitely going to do anchor. We're gonna do anchor. Yeah, we're gonna. Oh yeah, but like I said, we go. We, we love Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is one of the best movies of all time. And like we just announced here, next week we're gonna be doing Ghostbusters two. We're still in Halloween time frame. Keep it cruising. Keep it cruising. Might well knock out Ghostbusters two, man. Uh, but uh, like I said, we really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast as much as we have because this is great. <laughs> we we just went off. I hope you uh, enjoyed the Anchorman. Yeah, the Anchorman shit uh, diversion. We, we pretty much we just announced that we, like when we get a chance we're doing the Anchorman, Anchorman watch yeah. along. It's yeah. gonna happen. Treat her like a... you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm keep I'm going back and tell you. All right, so this has been dropping that culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD and I'm AJ. Uh, see you guys next time. Peace. Later. Dropping that culture. Dropping that coach. 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 Dropping that coach.